It's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage, or in this case, the elevated blood sport mat. We had Metamorris this weekend. How are you doing, Rafa Sparza? I'm so happy. It was a great weekend for jiu-jitsu. You know, I broke out my djembe and played along with the band a little bit. I don't mind telling you that. That's right. I got a little drumming in, and I think I'm on to something called emotional drumming. We'll talk about it. Separate podcast, probably. Kevin, I yeah. just know in my brain, considering your hair is good evidence for this, but you are that asshole in the drum circle. Are you not when you go to a concert? Without question, I'm the asshole in the drum circle. It doesn't even have to be at a concert. It could just be like, I'll stop at churches I don't know that are like just playing bands, and I'll go. Absolutely. It's about creating life, Raph, not just uh, watching it pass by. Speaking of, we have on the that's, line, that's we, we're going to be... Terrible transition. Yeah, I know, not at all. Terrible transition. We're going to be doing a lot of talking about Metamorris, and in true coverage form, we have an expert per match to help us lead off and patiently waiting on the line from BJJTrainingJournal.com and BJJ Training Journal, the app that you can get on your iPhone or tablet device. Amici, Akpom, Amici, how are you doing today? Hello, gentlemen. How are you? <laughs> you uh, first of all, did the voice modulator scare the shit out of everyone else too at the Metamorphos introductions, or was I the only Are one you that talking was about afraid the Mr. of them? Movie Phone? They got Mr. Movie yeah. Phone to do those. It well, was strange. It was either that or you have an MC. Oh, that's tr- wow! They oh, are really yeah. rock on that. <laughs> <laughs> did everybody know him at some point during the show? I know I did. <laughs> Didn't have a fucking clue how to pronounce anyone's name. This one was a little frightening, though. I kind of dug it occasionally, but it was just like, and now, at six foot three, just a very authoritative... Kevin Phillips will take the mic. Kevin Phillips is known for saying complete nonsense. (laughs) Kevin Phillips will now tell you about Kit Dale versus Gary Lee Thomas. You know, That's it, a beautiful. It was good, though, like when you're when you're there though, is usually you can see the Bruce Buffer in the middle of the octagon saying something. Here was the voice of God. Like you couldn't <laughs> see where it was coming from. So like I've been looking. I'm like, where the hell is this guy? Come look my head around. <laughs> we'll have to get Eric Medina on the case, which is a nice teaser for when we chat with him later. Uh, so hold on, he wasn't like sitting. In a control room, because I kind of assumed he was near the mat that I just had chalked it up to bad camera work that we didn't see him. But that's good to know. Yeah, maybe it was just my angle. But yeah, I didn't I didn't see him. So I, I was, was located action, in a car in the <laughs> Peterson Automotive <laughs> Museum, just phoning it in. Live from the Batcave. <laughs> I, I was so alone. That the the voice of God was was starting us with it, um, but for you, you know, Amici, tell us about the spectacle of it. How did it feel being back at, at Metamorris? How did it feel to be part of that Coachella tent that they have there at the Peterson <laughs> Museum? Well, it was actually really cool. I stopped going to events a while ago just because they're so long; they weren't always well organized. I mean, it was great, you know, when you see Galvao running around as a brown belt and all these big names just walk up to him. But 
you know, I just recently started going back to the events and they just come so far. And this really was put together really nicely. And uh, Scotty Nelson from On The Mat and I rolled up in there. And since Scotty knows the world, I essentially had free run of the place. I'm like back inside the warm-up rooms with the entire group of competitors just warming up and reading books and stretching out. And so it was just cool to get that full experience as well. But it's, it's just the lighting is great. They have this hallway with all this uh, decoration with Metamorphs. They have a, a bar and food stands and a DJ outside playing. I mean, they really did put it together well. I wasn't at any of the previous Metamorphs events, but it seemed like they've really dialed in um, the experience. Now, cool. I wasn't there this year, but how many acai tents did they have this time? <laughs> There was a string of uh, of tables and tents out back there. I, I didn't I didn't eat anything, so I don't know. But there was acai running aplenty. And this is uh, for my own edification. When they had the seats out there, were they elevated this time? Because I could see it looked a little different in how they put it together this year. It looked like because last year I was in the back of the tent and I couldn't see anything, and everybody just ended up standing for Hoyler and Eddie anyway. But it, it, did they kind of at least make it a little more inclined for the general admission seats? Because the, the rises that they, they had for those people were amazing. Absolutely right. They did address it. And that's one of the first things I heard people saying when they walked in. They're like, oh, good elevation. And you heard complaints about last time. So at least they're, you know, they're, they're listening. Oh, before I forget to mention, Dudikoff from American Ninja, he was in the house. No he, way. Dude, he is a longtime uh, jiu-jitsu practitioner. Like yeah. I remember seeing him in videos from Dengue Fever like a long time ago before <laughs> like over 10 years ago. So he was there and he was awesome. So he's with a buddy of mine, Eric Meyer. So yeah, I tell you there were stars there, brother. Well, okay. <laughs> you know? I'll, I'll, I'll take your word and not the word of the technical director who showed Anderson Silva as the only star <laughs> there continuously, but sure. Uh, so talk to us about the match. We have you covering Gary versus Kit. Did you, if you were privy to backstage rituals, were there any backstage rituals that you'd like to talk about? Uh, backstage, I did my best not to to bug the dudes. Got no pre competition when I've competed in things in the past, and other folks have. You know, everyone has their own thing, but uh, they seem pretty chill when I saw them by observation. They're pretty friendly, talking to people, smiling. They're just acting completely what you'd think of normal. But uh, yeah, that you know, this of the matches to go over. This obviously was a pretty pretty short one, but. You know, when they get out there, it's funny. You, you know the reputations of the guys, and Gary really loved, lived up to it. Some people pull guard. Mm. He did a ninja roll while attacking to a knee bar. Like that's the very, very yeah. first thing that he does. That's a good example of of why these guys are so good. Um, they weren't distracted by the by the drumming, by the <laughs> giant drums with the people with flak jackets on. It was. <laughs> They were they were able to tune it out. It's just like a real professional. Yeah, very yeah, zen. It was good. Uh, you know, That's uh. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, the contrast was um. You know, Kit started slow, and I talked to him afterwards, and I think that was part of the goal. Was like that's twenty minutes is a long time, and he wants to be able to put on a good show, and part of that was a strategy of starting slow. So, as you saw, Gary was attacking, attacking, and I think they from half guard. I think that's where it was. Gary scooped up the leg and went for that heel hook. And from where I was sitting, it looked pretty gnarly. Uh, but then when I watched it on uh, on this morning on the video, I mean, Kit just looked really calm. I can't tell how tight it was, whether it was a poker face or not. But you know, he transitioned out. It was like 30 seconds in. But 
Then they scrambled to their feet, and there was a collar tie. Collar tie snapped down guillotine, and that's one of Gary's bread and butter moves. And yeah, that, that was, was beautiful. Man, so tight. And Kit's a beast. You know, he transitioned. He rolled on his shoulder, tried to get out. He he was almost out one time. Um, uh, but man, once he had that secured and trapped both of Kit's arms with his legs, I mean, he kick it hardly tap. I mean, it just that's what happens when you make a mistake for a second against a guy that damn good. And honestly, no I just, I do, yeah, I feel kind of split about it. On one hand, it's like, you know, Gary's that good. That's why that happens. On the other hand, I, I want Kit to come back because that's, I don't think that's, you know what I mean? Kit didn't get to show how tough he is, what a good entertaining yeah. competitor he is. So I'm on the campaign to get both of these guys, uh, you know, back in Metamorphosis 5. Absolutely. You're on that campaign. You're Hell chairman. Yeah. Amici Akbam is, is fan club. Chairman. Well, and a sticker. First yeah. of all, I don't. Gary Tonin's, and uh, I'm glad we get to talk about this fun match, high octane, kind of exactly what we expected. I don't think we would have been nearly as surprised, also, if Kit Dale had done something crazy in the first five minutes to get Gary. So it kind of made perfect sense that that's how the match ended. When he calls out Kron. <laughs> Are we essentially saying like that's kind of the modern equivalent to a Gracie challenge? You know what? I think maybe, you know, and I think that the crowd was like, oh, like, how dare you almost? And I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah. Like, you kidding me? I think that's a smart thing. I mean, he wasn't disrespectful about it. He's won a match. He was on the platform and he talked about who he wanted to compete against next, who he almost beat before in ADCC. You know, yeah, he lost. He didn't scream expletives at him. He yeah. wasn't like, your system sucks. <laughs> You're a, you know. Yeah, I, I loved it. And I think it was a good thing. I, I'm not confident that we'll see it happen. But, you know, I, I liked it. I'm all about it. You're not holding out for hope in five years to see it in MMA? <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, that. Maybe that if they keep in the same weight class, you know, maybe that'll happen. I, I, you know what? Gary's an intense dude, so I can see him really bird dogging this. And when they're both at MMA, like his first match, asking for, for Crone, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I just said, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess I don't want to ruin the este- the motive that it might get done in four years in Japan. That's <laughs> worth the wait. I mean, I'm not saying that, obviously. Uh, I liked the call out. I also liked the rash guards and some of the clothing choices oh, in this first match. The Sharknado rash guard. How good was that? <laughs> yeah. It was pretty good. Shark. Oh, so good. I like the all red. He went matching. Kid had some different color variations. Just, you know, all around. Really well fashioned first match, is all I'm saying. It was very, very fashionable. Excellent. And it, <laughs> one question that some people were asking is whether or not the beard made a difference with escaping the guillotine. Uh-oh. You know, and people were coming up to Kid actually asking him, yeah, man, you think the gear, the beard messed up the guillotine? And he made no excuses. All he would say was like, yeah, you know, I was trying to – my strategy was to take it easy, and I just got caught. You know, and he was really frustrated – that he doesn't. It didn't bother him that he necessarily lost. He always wants to win. He said, but he said he didn't get to put on a show. He didn't get to battle. He didn't get to test himself. He didn't get to show everyone. And, and yeah, while he was super cool with everyone coming up to him, like yeah, he was he was frustrated about 
but not being able to perform. But, you know, he's still a, a crazy fan club with folks lining up to take pictures with him. So I'm hoping they'll have yeah. back. And they I saw be. you two take a picture, yourself included. That was a nice little... Yeah, my man good. pointed at the... I was wearing a BJJ traditional t-shirt with shameless promotion. And uh, yeah, he took the picture, was pointing at the logo. That was pretty, pretty awesome, very supportive dude. Yeah. And uh, actually, and Gary did the same thing. We got afterwards, um, we were all hanging out and we were trying to get... Oh, let me just speak on well, this. Hold on, I, hold on, hold on. Wait. Now, I, I have to interrupt you before you interrupt yourself. Okay. <laughs> I know a lot of people went to Metamoris. I'm pretty sure the whole crew of people at Metamoris didn't just go, Gary, where are we going for dinner? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, friend of a friend, and now he's a friend. He's a good dude. Um, he's going to be out here for the week in California, so hopefully we're going to be able to train a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, like, I've heard talk about his pre – I mean his, his, his diet, right, his nutrition. People are like, dude, he's bacon burgers. He's crap. And I will say that we did pass over McDonald's to have gourmet tacos. So it's, <laughs> not, it's, it's, not, it's not as bad as – What the fuck does that mean? Day. What do you mean? Um, Wait, okay, what kind of gourmet taco did he have? Okay, now it was – let me see what it was. It was – Insider information here. Yes. It, it, it was like shredded chicken, podcast, folks. bacon, avocado, <laughs> cheese, and jalapeno. Not expected jalapeno. Quite a kick there. Okay. Okay. And uh, well, first of all, I'm not sure that sounds better. So the point you were making <laughs> is I have got to lay into Amici. Um, you know, do me okay. a favor, Amici. Tell me what you thought about his taco choices. Did you feel that they were up to snuff for somebody competing at the Metamoris level? Uh, I think it was a rather conservative choice. He only went with one. He did get the nachos, um, chips with salsa. Uh, was that a surprising move? Uh, I, I was I was I was surprised. I figured that he after competing, he'd want to go ahead and eat quite a bit. Um, he did not. He was conservative. So he's aggressive in his attack, okay. conservative in his meal choices. Interesting. Yes. Takeaways. Yeah. Well, that was – these are the questions that, you know, not everyone asks. <laughs> and it's hard to tell if it's because they don't care or they don't think of it. But definitely one of them is the case. Yeah. Final impressions, Amici. You were there. You were on site. You got to see the tap. You got to feel the buzz of the crowd, especially after the call out. Any final magic moments? Uh, you know, I think that it was everyone was just eager to to see what was going to happen at this event. Everyone was all pumped up, and I think it's really huge that we were able to start with the submission, um, so we could ride the high. If it would have been some long, boring, drawn out, no action fight, then um, I think people would have been pissed. But I think this just maintained everyone else's energy, so it was it was good. I really enjoyed it, and uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll head back to it. Hey, maybe. And, uh, you know, we've been talking to a little bit of everybody about it, but since you were there, Josh Barnett's thighs, um, as good in person as they were on the pay-per-view? Amazing. Let's just say, let's just say the entire place was amazed at those thighs. When he, okay. so he came out in that robe, like, <laughs> it was, because here's the thing about it, at the event, everything's real quiet, right? Everyone's, everything's silent. At a UFC event, everyone's screaming and cheering, kill him, rip his head off, beat his eyes. But at this event, everyone's real quiet and respectful, and every once in a while you say, go Salo, yeah, because you're on his team. But here, when he came out of that, that robe and had on the wrestling tights, that, that was, yeah, that, that set up the crowd. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's what I like to hear. Maybe a, 
you and I have different viewing experiences, but when Chael Sonnen <laughs> was going for that rear naked choke, I happened to be at a party where Joey Diaz yells out the following, and I quote, Bust his fucking voice box, you motherfucker! <laughs> and I love that guy. I about died. Of course, everybody loves Joey oh. Diaz. But when you're talking about people being super respectful and, and nice and lovable, when Joey's yelling that out, the whole place is dying of laughter. And I said, man, if he had yelled that out in that pin drop silence of a Metamorous crowd, could you imagine the place just losing it? Oh, that would have been, that'd been awesome. Like, the, I guess the most aggressively cheering person was a guy in my row who kept on yelling, War Master! War Master! <laughs> like, I don't know if you could hear on the show. I mean, on the, on the broadcast. But that's probably the biggest cheering I heard because, you know, it was clearly from his squad and he had his team. <laughs> War Master! <laughs> so good. That's good. <laughs> so good. It was like, probably four, like three, four guys down from me. Ladies and gentlemen from BJJTrainingJournal.com here to help us run down this first fantastic match. Amicia, you were a great leadoff guest. Um, much like the main event, you were very quick, you were very sharp. It wasn't like the funnest thing to watch, but it had its moments. Of, <laughs> no, I'm obviously joking. Amici, thank you again for swinging by and talking about Morris. Thank you very much, and... I have to, do have to tell you one thing, though, that I think you've been waiting on for a while. The Android version yeah. of the app will be live within the next three days. Oh, fuck yeah. Hey. Thank well, God. He's obviously talking to Raph because I have an iPhone like a normal up, person does. Shut but, yeah. the fuck up. There are statistics <laughs> that prove I am not alone. Amici, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I will let you know this right now. I am ready. I'm stoked. There's a there's a like a little thing on your page that's just been teasing me, and it's like coming soon for Droid, and I'm like, ooh, ooh. So I'm ready for it. It's gonna happen. I will will be updating furiously. Well, thank you guys for the support. I always appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to actually tuning in and hearing everyone else's perspectives on the rest of the rest of this episode. Because yeah, it was a fun event. I love it. Later, players. You know, Kev, as we continue reviewing what happened at Metamorris, um, I just got to stop by asking you a question. Um, have you ever been called out by a black belt? No, I haven't. Thank God. Not oh. ready for that. Well, I can let you know I have. And uh, Good. No, not That's good. Fantastic. I thought you no, should. I applaud I it. You probably deserve it, first of all. I'm sure no, you deserve I it. I don't deserve it. Well, maybe I do deserve it. Um, but the the most recent, I guess, of which comes from our good friend, Mr. Jim Lawson uh, of the Warriors Club podcast, who recently said the following, Hey, Raph, I see you training with these other gyms. How come you haven't stopped by at my gym? And I didn't have anything for him. So that's terrifying. Yeah. But you know what I do when I get too terrified? I bring that person on the podcast. Joining us today to review another match from Metamorris, we have Mr. Jim Lawson. How are you doing today, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's Not up, Kevin? Jim, Raph, Raph, I still I, I do have issues with you, man. I, I carry that. <laughs> I harbor that deep-seated emotion of you this, not frequenting the Warriors oh, Club. This is terrifying. And Kevin, let, 
Yeah, Kevin, let me tell you something. This guy works right around the corner from where oh. the academy is. 60 So yards. it's convenient. It's really oh, convenient. Dude, totally convenient. The guy's ducking me. He's ducking me like Vinny Magalhaes ducks Tanata Letas. <laughs> well, I think thank you for putting it in terms our audience can understand. But number two. Yeah, that was a great metaphor. That was is, really helpful. He's putting it in a way where I don't know, like, so do you run down other lower belts is this like something you do in your pastime jim yeah every now and then yeah but the bully gene runs deep within me and uh, yeah i mean i see you training with those higher ground knuckleheads over out in uh hacienda uh we have uh sean and julio run, running that that circus over there and yeah they're good enough for you but old jimbo not, nice from the warriors club enough. you know here's when, the, the dumb part i you know that that specific spot right there I lived – I grew up in Hacienda Heights. So the fact that that place now exists and it hadn't existed before infuriates me because that's just years <laughs> of shit that I didn't have right then and there. And I was looking at the time. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, you're close to me. But, you know, just – you know, things come up sometimes, man. <laughs> yeah. Like I guess going going to visit mom and dad forty miles away over in Hacienda. But in in all yeah. seriousness, man, those those guys those guys are brothers. And I know that term gets uh, thrown around very loosely in our community. But uh Sean Fernandez and, and Julia Lang of higher ground out there, those are those are some good guys and those are definitely my jujitsu brothers. Even though they dug me too. So I give them the same speech I just gave you. They oh, dug you, me. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to get them in a, a soccer match. Julio, he he's like from Brazil and he, he's big soccer, and I'm calling him out straight up, straight up. Higher oh, ground guys versus the Warrior Club guys, straight up. Oh, do you need? Gone I love commentary, like play by play. Jim's, I would be happy. Jim's my that. favorite guest. Just by Dude, the fact that we're so far. Yeah, let's so do it. We'll 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 market it pay per view. You know, charge a <laughs> dollar and then three people may may. You know, right. three friends, three, three friends three may purchase. Dollars that we can split between all the clubs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll pay five. I'll pay five. <laughs> so, Jim, you know, you went to Metamorphs yesterday. First of all, jealous. Second of all, how was that experience? How was it live? Man, the the live experience was great. And and you know, let me tell you, every I've been very fortunate to to witness these in person live at each event i'm 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 watching this grow right in front of our very eyes and um you know i don't necessarily know how it translates online but the the i see the changes that they're making from you know going from an arena so to speak into these small intimate venues i think is really cool i think um that, you know the the fact that they have the the courage to try these things because everyone you know us as human beings, we're, we're creatures of habit. We get into our set little ways, and there's always going to be haters and a lot of criticism on any kind of change. But, um, you know, the, this metamorphosis organization, love them or hate them, you know, they're, they're pushing the envelope, and, and they're trying, they're tinkering with some things, and some of them work, some of them don't. There's still a long way to go. But, um, you know, they're the, they're the, the spearhead of this uh, movement, and... Uh, the live experience, it translates to me personally. I like the changes. I liked, uh, the, the big thing was the music. How'd you guys like the music? Like well, during the matches? Well, very thunderous. What's um, that? Thunderous is how I would describe them. Like sometimes we could hear it maybe a little better than other times. 
Mm. Uh, the sound wasn't always – we had commentary pretty loud. So right, okay. You, could, you would only occasionally get the real like – <laughs> Jim, yeah. have, you, have you been to a previous Metamorphs? Yes, sir. Been to all of them. Uh, you've been to all of them. You've been to all of them live? I'm, I'm a groupie. All of them live. Oh, man. Well, first of all, again, jealous. Um, I've been to two of the Metamorphs live. And this was the first time I saw them using the drumming during the actual matches. Yes, that and that was the part. That that was the part I was very curious to hear what uh, the online community, the people who watched online, because see, from my perspective, live we can't hear that commentary. You know, you have uh, Ken Flo and and Glover, you know, commentating. So the online experience is very different, and it's and it's cool because you have you know these top level guys commentating on on the what's going on, the action. But being there live, that's one of the things we lose out on. We don't necessarily have someone explaining everything right. uh, for the casual viewer. And so insert that music that they were playing during the matches. For the live audience, I thought it was awesome. It so much reminded me of the old school kung fu theater. You hear the, <laughs> the wood chopping, you know, during as they zoom into the eye-to-eye contact. It, it, man, live music you feel the percussions and i mean come on they've been doing percussion music for battling and war since the dawn of time and now, I, I think it was really absolutely. cool you're bringing up something that's really cool although i will say from the home version and maybe kevin can speak on this too it looked like you got a shot of the person in the background who was drumming and they were just kind of waiting for their cue like they're watching the match like okay now it feels like soft drum time. Yes. Build, build drum. And it just got so yeah. weird to watch them watch the match at times during the broadcast. Uh, Kev, did you feel that way at all? Well, there were a few times they made me jump for no damn reason. Like they thought someone was setting up an arm bar and they'd like, Coo-coo! and they'd crank it and nothing happened. So it would just scare the piss out of me because we couldn't hear the soft drumming. So all of a sudden we would just like get a pounding and it was like, holy fuck, wait, no, hold on, nothing happened. There's still, so there was a few, I would love a, I would love a and a with the leader of the tempo. That would have been awesome for afterwards. It's like, yeah, but you know what? You that, decide- that's, that's, oh, that's great because, okay, listen to what you just said, you know, okay, so they start playing this music once they thought something was happening. So in yeah. essence... It, it, they're they're kind of coloring some dead some dead air, if you will, or some dead space. So you think something's about to happen? What's happening? Oh, nothing happened. Okay, so let's continue on this journey, and it adds a little excitement instead of you guys have been to you know the other metamorphoses, and it, once the match starts, jujitsu is this weird community. It's like yeah. we're the only sport, maybe outside of golf, where once the action starts, everyone's quiet. Pin drop. Shut mean, the was, fuck up. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's kind of weird that way. So, um, but you know, my my big um, thought on the online community is with that commentary, was it frustrating for people watching online to hear the commentary while they're kind of competing with the percussions? You I know? also well, I think part of it was watching the girl or the drummers, but I I focused in on one of the drummers most of the time, and. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but it almost felt like an inverse relationship to 
the less that was going on, the more drumming that was happening. Uh, which I think segues us nicely to the match we're having you talk about today, which is Solo versus uh, Rodrigo. So I I respect both of these people a lot. However, I will say, since we've put this out there, there was a bit of drumming that happened there. So having said all of that, what was your interpretation of the match? Um, you broke up a little bit. I, c- I can't hear you on that one. Kev, you want to take that then? Oh, yeah, it's no problem. So you saw Salo versus Comprito live, where there was a good amount of drumming. What was your perception of the match? You, you know what? It's it's kind of um, – I, I, I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. There was um, – it, it may not have translated well uh, online, but, man, to see those guys live and up close, they were working their ass off. I mean, with the, there was a lot of grip fighting. And um, Absolutely. there was there was a lot of um, you know jockeying for position, and then what we did get to see on both sides is some successful judo. I mean, you got to see a couple pretty sweet ass takedowns. You got to see a takedown with a I, I believe a takedown with a sweep that that happened as well. Um, and to see it, you know, the, these guys, relatively speaking, they're the they're the old guys, they're the old men's the, the old men's the old men of the game who have come out of this, I don't know, this ambiguous retirement or I don't know if they've ever officially been retired (laughs) or what, but some guys that you, you know, we haven't seen in a while and then they're going at it. And, um, you know, the, the intangible of seeing it live and hearing them, you know, breathing heavy work, working for this position. So it kind of live, it translated well online, who knows? I, I, you know, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, uh, first of all, they were super clear about the match that they were going to fight, and that's the match they fought. It was going to be more of a traditional grip fighting style where you don't pull guard because you don't want to be on your back. You want to be imposing your top game. So I, I loved it. I'm going to make one observation because it was slow. It was just a slower fight. Do you think it might have gotten – and people were obviously a little bit more hostile online because people are always more hostile online. That's just the veil of Twitter and they don't have to look solo in the eyes where you can grab them and choke them really quickly. (laughs) Um, I just feel like maybe they should have started with that match because after you saw how quick and strong and agile Gary Tonin versus Kit Dale are, they just looked like not only were they moving at a slower pace, they looked like almost a double time slower pace because of how fast paced the first match has been. So that would be my only real criticism because it was a slower grip fight, grip fight battle. You know, that, that's a fair, that's a fair criticism. Um, however, I, I think there's something that, um, you know, th- those two with uh, Rodrigo and uh, Salo, they, they, you know, they, they're legends in our community. These guys have succeeded at the highest level. And you kind of want to, I, w- I would think that you kind of want to offer them um, a, a level of um, respect, I guess, by not making them the opening act, so to speak. Correct. Yep. And then, you know, ah, and I think that makes they, sense. Um, I see what you're saying, and it's a very fair point because, man, coming out the gate, you know, you have uh, Kit and Gary just, oh, getting at it and then it goes to the bigger guy not only are they bigger guys but then they're older guys so you got two doses of uh slow going also fair point yes 
compared to what you just watched. But um, um, I and I totally I think it's a fair it's a fair argument on an entertainment um, on an entertainment end that yeah it's um it kind of highlights some of the um the difficulties of making jujitsu more of a mainstream sport. I think people that are really involved in jujitsu, people that are truly put in the time and effort, I think they could appreciate what was what you know, whether it was live or online. I think they could truly appreciate what they were watching in that match. Um, I feel I like me personally, I appreciated the hell out of it. I thought of, man, that twenty minutes, I, I couldn't believe it was already twenty minutes and it was over because I was in it. And I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one that felt that way. But that being said, you know, I'm sitting next to folks that are just kind of casual viewers and they're like, they could, they could have done without it. They're like, Oh, all right. Well, damn, that sucked. And then you have to go to the, uh, the bigger question of, okay, what is the purpose of metamorphs? Are they marketing to get the mainstream fan involved into our art or are they marketing to, you know, this is for, um, people who do jujitsu by people who do jujitsu, you know, it's right. like, who, who are they trying to cater this to? So again, that's this part of the growing and no one, no, I don't think anyone's really struck gold on that. I mean, I think a lot of, there's a lot of organizations out, they have great ideas and great things to do, but no one's really been the be all catch all, so to speak. Well, since there seems any? to be kind oh, of a mixed message uh, in terms of what they're going for here, uh, I think that there is a place for our legends to be a part of it. I think it's a great learning experience because it encourages people to go watch their other matches and learn a lot more about the history of the sport. And we're hearing rumblings for the next Metamorris that there may be another kind of uh, series of legends who would be involved with it. Um what do you think is the learning experience from from billing this for the next one going forward? If they want to keep including that legend kind of aspect to it as well, you, you know that's a very good question. That's a very good question. I mean, with with uh, golf, you know, you have the masters, and you know the seniors and the masters of the PGA, and it seems to do pretty well. They've done it for <clears throat> so long. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, that's uh, whew, yeah. I, I mean, a legend series, but then you know, I, I could just see well, how would some of these legends do against the younger guys of today? You know, it's I, I don't know. I think um, I think the better question is, okay, legend or not a legend, old or young, how do they just match up with the talent? Whether the the talent's young or old. I mean, you know, if you look in the mixed martial arts, look at Randy Couture. He's the exception, but this guy, he he was he's older than Salo when he was. The uh, the heavyweight champion of the UFC, and it's like well, the the hard part for me, and I I don't mean to interrupt you, is I think part of it is how they bill it. I think that's a real big thing, and I think that's when that educational aspect of those promo videos become the best tool for helping the audience shape them know what kind of match we're going for. Because I think that was the missed opportunity here was to really define what kind of games these guys were going to play. Now, yes, were they pushing forward? Yes, they were both trying to make that happen. But the weird part about it is to the uneducated, if they are kind of doing what is looking like standing still and pushing their heads together, um, when you see those exciting moments, like when you saw that mount from Solo and you saw that he was setting up for that cross collar, 
I know I jumped up because I thought that was exciting and that's what that was building to. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I felt the exact same way. I mean, the only reason why I didn't jump up is, you know, the people who've been a real ass to the people behind me. And, uh, you know, I was human being. No big deal. <laughs> right. But I gave the old touchdown thing, you know, just two hands in the air. I was like, yeah, just going yeah. crazy. It was so cool. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, um, I, I think you, you make some very good point points and very valid arguments. And I think for jujitsu to grow as a spectator sport, I mean, and, and maybe even an Olympic sport, it, jujitsu ha- has to prove itself as something that people outside of our community can rally behind. And it's, it's such an interesting discussion because, um, I mean, the, the art of jujitsu has been around for ages, ages. I mean, maybe not in a sporting form, but um, what has been around since, again, the Donna Man is wrestling, grappling. Since the ancient times, the, the first Olympiad had wrestling in it. Now, that being said, wrestling is not a, a marquee sport in our culture as the NFL is, as Major League Baseball. And they, they've been unable to really market something like wrestling. I mean, even boxing, boxing as we know it, has not been around as long as wrestling, but look at boxing. I mean, it's heydays in the sixties and seventies and even eighties. Um, and even with Mike Tyson in the nineties, it's like, it's been able to market itself. And I think what it is, is there are so many nuances in jujitsu. Like, and let's take the Salon Rodrigo match, um, as a, as a prime example, it's like the devil is in the details of our sport, of our culture, I should say, whether it's sport or self-defense, which is a whole other argument. Um, the devil's in the details. And if you're not immersed in it, you're not going to be able to appreciate these details. Where, and that goes for judo. That goes for wrestling, which is why until they made wrestling theater, like the WWF, not saying it's yeah. fake, not saying it's wow. fake, but, you know, for as long as wrestling has been around, it was never mainstream until the theatrics became involved. Then it's about the theatrics and not even about the art of wrestling. And judo, same thing. It's an Olympic sport, but come on, who, who's, who's flocking? How many sold out judo events, you know, are happening here or even in the motherland of Japan, you know? So, you know, it, it they have to, I, I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a, I'm going on a rant here, but that's, um, no, that's that's the question. How how do we highlight these details, and how do we make it exciting for the mainstream? And we're absolutely getting there. Um, and I do think, you know, despite a few personal disagreements with some of the choices they made, Metamorphosis Four had some really good buzz culture about it. Did you feel like the live show? Did you feel uh, lived up to almost like a jujitsu's indie rock version of a grappling tournament? <laughs> Um, how did you feel as you were watching the end of these two legends fight and the place is sort of exploding with excitement? Um, talk to us yeah. about just what it was like being in there. Yeah, the energy is there. And, and you know, I, I think I think one of the, the smart moves, one of the better moves of uh, the Metamorphosis organization is taking it out of the arena for now, for the time being. I mean, we'll, we'll shelf that idea of these big arenas and let, let's make yeah. it more intimate. And I think that was such a key because it translates into so many more. I mean, it, it just translates for the better, I think. 
because now when people are watching online, you you guys are looking at a packed house that is loud and rowdy as opposed to this huge arena that is empty and you hear sparse, you know, sounds from, you know, people in the crowd. Um, so when it's contained in such a small area and the ticket prices, you know, for better or for worse, they're a lot higher than ever before because it's a premium. There's only, you know, I think it only seats around 300 for audience attendance or something like that, whatever, but it's, they're sold out and only people that are very interested, the crowd you're going to attract are the people that are willing to pay $200 a ticket or a hundred dollars a ticket. I mean, those people are, you damn well right. They're going to be in, they're going to be into the sport and they're going to react to those details. And that's going to help translate online when you guys are watching it. Oh my God, the crowd's going crazy. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. And it just, you get names like Chael Sonnen on the card, you get new and fresh talent, and then you get people like Salo and Comprido to come out and show us um, almost, you know, some of those historical rematches that are a really interesting, interesting extended version. 20-minute submission only. Did you feel like, and this is a question I have to ask the people, did you feel like the breaks in between were a good amount of time, a little long, a little short? What's your feedback on the breaks between matches? Um, I, You know what? I think um, I think they were good. I think they were good. I, I, I don't – they're flirting with it, that's for sure. I mean, I think it was roughly 10 minutes in between matches which is good because after the one match, you know, you, you have a chance to go grab a bite. You have a chance to go to the restroom. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, you know, my opinion, and this is a very humble opinion, I, I think it was good. And, um, I don't know if they were showing online, but they were showing the, um, the, re- or the, uh, the trailers of yeah. who you're about to see. And I think, yeah, I, I personally, I liked it. I liked it. And speaking of long trail, online. How, how, Little long, that? <laughs> little, oh, long little long to watch online. A lot <laughs> yeah, of breaks. Here's here's a note that I had is: Do you think they could cut down a smaller version of the twelve minute videos that they do? Maybe like a six minute version, maybe a remix, like a seven minute version. Because the full ten minute like version, especially, track. yeah, especially as you're rewatching it, you're like, well, I've already seen this. And maybe if you've ordered the pay per view, <laughs> right. you haven't seen it. Um, but I mean. Mm. I'm just saying maybe that's what's causing people like Chael Sonnen and Dean Lister and Josh Barnett to take such heavy naps before their matches. Because <laughs> um, it looked like they well, had to wake them up out of hibernation to go do their matches at certain points. Yeah, I guess to, to use the term of Keenan Cornelius, yeah, so you guys are asking for a redux and um <laughs> and the the in between videos um yeah you know, it's a fair argument i i mean hey if if they had a quicker pace that'd be cool too cuz me personally in between every fight i wasn't necessarily going to the bathroom after every match and grabbing a drink or grabbing a bite so you know but um yeah if someone says okay now the intermissions are going to be half you know half of what they were memoirs five intermissions are going to be half of what i think it's a value for sure I think it's a value. And they could shorten it up. Sure. Why not? That's what I'm at. They were just a little long on the online. (laughs) Um, Any final thoughts? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Hey, speaking of Chael Sonnen, I don't know if you guys are going to talk about it later with different guests. How about a speech at the end? 
Um, that got the crowd going. Do you remember yeah, any part of it? Yeah, talking about um, how he was walking the walk and, um, you know, he came, basically he came, he saw, he's a man of his word. He says he's going to fight, he's going to come to fight, and that's what it is. And I think, yeah, I, think a lot I agree, of people I just, loved it. Oh, man, crowd was going crazy. I'm like, what just happened? What just happened? And he actually kind of, um, I guess, um, I don't know, he... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But anyways, he he like made it seem like him and Anderson Silva are are, are one and the same kind of kind of thing. We're fighters, blah blah blah. And he kind of rooted on Anderson in this comeback. You know, he doesn't need that other leg. Last I heard, spiders have eight legs, and ah, it was pretty cool, man. That guy's brilliant. I mean, yeah, no, I, I love it, and believe me, He's fired. Up. I love me some great promos, but I also was the person at home who was trying to chart and uh, use a outline of what his main points were mm-hmm. and i give him the credit of yeah you just fought so maybe your, your brain's a little jumbled but i'm pretty sure this is how it sounded like well you know bad guys always exist and spiders have eight legs but when you break one there's plenty of others and i'm a bad guy and you walk the walk and i go what the shit was he was making point? a generalization that you know He'll, that Spider will be back. I thought it was like a nice acquiesce of, hey, I'm on your turf. Yeah, I but. know. What I would suggest for him, Kevin, and you should know this too, as a former speech competitor, they're called transitions. <laughs> sometimes they're oh. very beneficial. And sometimes they're pointless. He nailed it. I'm with, I vote, uh, Jim and I are on the same page here. I thought it was a great <laughs> I think it's, fired it's kind me of up. you to put Jim in the same category as you. I think Jim makes it a different yeah, I'm point. Yeah, I'm He's just, just hopping on his, uh, it, but I don't think Jim made the argument. <laughs> oh, that was the most articulate thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no, actually, I was like, what the hell did he just say? I don't know, but it was exciting as all hell and I'm happy to be here. Exactly. And like I said, there's a point and a place for that. But I just love the fact that after what he said at my viewing party, I just go, America! And a huge response. And that's exactly what he said. Is, is that so many words? was just literally just America. And people go, yeah, America. I don't know what he meant, but yeah, America. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, we really appreciate you swinging by to give us a little perspective. Um, this actually turned into some really good strategy about jujitsu format too. Yeah. Did, did you um, use air quotes on me when you just said perspective? I did. Well, maybe like, wait, you can't one. see me right now, right? No, no, no. But I, I know, I know little weasels like you. I, I know little weasels like you. I you did. I know it. Doing it. Or maybe it's my low self-esteem. I don't know. I don't know. You know, here's the weird part. You can you can accuse Kevin of being many things, but he is way too transparent to be a weasel. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. The best part about this is, Jim, it, we loved having you on, and I, I, I make this vow to you. Within the next month, I will be at your gym, and you will have your opportunity to beat the crap out of me. Does that sound fair? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, sounds good. Now, now I got to go work out or something. Now the pressure's no, on no. me. The ball's in my court now. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I get bullies. I bring them on my podcast, and I'm like, "Yeah, what, son? Yeah, I'm just I'm <laughs> pretending because once I get over there, you're just gonna destroy me. But that's okay. Yeah, uh, in total Jim. bully fashion. Now I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of shrinking back into my rock. Now someone just <laughs> called my bluff. Goddamn it! 
But you know what, Jim? I know you're not a bully. I know you're a great guy. You, you're you're nothing but support for us, and and we want to send out love uh, to. You can catch your podcast WarriorsClub.com. Is that correct? The Warriors Club. The Warriors Club.com. Dot com. And uh, if you guys are in the Burbank surrounding area, come take one of his classes. I've heard they're great. I'll let you know in a few <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Go down, clown. Go oh, down. No. <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for taking time, especially while you're out vacationing. Uh, we, we look forward to having you back on at some point, my friend. Thanks, Jim. Oh, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, you guys. Keep up the good work. And, man, let, let's do this again soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Lawson. As we steamroll the verbal tap metamorous train, you know, not all of the guests can be winners. Like, occasionally we're going to take a step back, and for the Keenan versus Vinny match, we've done just that. We've brought in... From Decatur, Alabama, 10th Planet, Brandon McCatherine. Brandon, how are you doing this evening? I'm fantastic, and how are you doing? Wow. Not too bad. 100% too polite for whatever shitty variation of an intro <laughs> Kevin gave you. <laughs> I owe Brandon a little song after he beat me violently at a game of over under Kevin in the UFC in a previous podcast. So I have some spite, admittedly. I'm putting that out. Yeah. It's okay. I, I, I feel your anger, and I just want to give back positivity in return. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be dragged down that dark Kevin Phillips spiral. That's see. Here's the uh, thing, though, Brandon. I was on your side until you said that. And now it's just a challenge to make you come down to our level, and I feel I can win that battle. I feel I feel I can bring you to the dark side way easier than you I'll can try you and your spout your, your, your hippie <laughs> nonsense. See? There we go. I think that's already a win. Oh, that was easy. Yep. <laughs> Still got it, everybody. But uh, all right. Uh, so you go, Kevin. Talk to us about Keenan versus Vinny. What did you see? And I'm going to ask right off the bat, how close do you think Keenan was to tapping on that heel hook? Um, I think he was probably pretty close. I didn't think he was that close until he said he was pretty close at the end. You know, he said that he thought that was the deepest heel hook he had ever been in in the post-fight interview there on stage. And so, you know, I mean, clearly, like, when he was rolling, you could see, like, the pauses and the jerks and the roll as he was trying to get out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was clearly really tight, but I didn't know how close he might have been to tapping. But. I even thought I had seen a tap, just for a brief, and Raph was saying this happened at his uh, his watch party, too, or his tribal viewing, as they, they, they <laughs> use the metamorous terminology. Um, I honestly, for a second, thought, thought he had tapped so I, when it I kept Vinny I said, tapped when did you I thought Vinny tapped at the end at the end like I didn't like, going back and watching I, I can see he didn't but as he was pulling out like while we were watching it live I was pulling out of the arm bar triangle attempt at the end I thought he tapped right there but you know he was just flailing about and whatnot yeah I mean I think this this match had such high expectations uh, for it being high impact and whatever and being crazy good that everybody who I was watching with who weren't like noobs to jujitsu, we were with some pretty advanced belts here. 
and everybody had invented seeing Keenan tap. And it was really weird when I paused everybody and I looked at her and I was like, no, he didn't tap. I go, he's clearly not comfortable in this position, but it was a weird sleight of eye thing where everybody just invented that they thought they saw him tap. But I don't know. It, it was strange. It looked terrible to be in. Uh, Brandon, I want to ask you this. Vicariously. Like, <laughs> I think that's what it was. That's You know what? That's exactly what I said at the party. I go, I think you guys tapped for him. Which yeah, well, is I mean, kind of like, you, think about what a horrible position that is. And if you've been in a spot like that, you know, you just start screaming like tap, 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 tap in the gym. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to get your foot turned that way ever. Yeah. Now, what was your so expectation instinct. going into the match, dude? Um, I kind of expected, I thought Ke- that Keenan might dominate him, not dominate, but like win the positional battle and win the exchanges. Um, but Vinny is just almost impossible to tap, man. Like if you, like Dean Lister had him in a fully locked in heel hook once in Abu Dhabi. I think it was the first round of the absolute in Abu Dhabi a couple, several years back. And Vinny didn't even come close to tapping. And then, you know, what Verdum had him in that completely like Misha tated arm bar at the end of, uh, <laughs> their match in Abu Dhabi. And he, he didn't tap. So. I mean, to tap him is gonna gonna be almost impossible. You'd have to choke him to sleep, I think. Um, but was I did kind of expect him to. Yeah, yeah, well, to his credit, <laughs> I thought that uh, <laughs> I thought that Keenan might dominate out uh, of the positions and the exchanges, but I didn't really expect him to get the tap. But Vinny, I mean, it was a it was back and forth. I thought this to me was easily the most entertaining match of the evening. Um, Because it also looked like both guys were taking it very seriously from start to finish. Were you at all – were there any positions you thought they'd hit that they didn't? Because it seemed like they spent a lot of time attacking each other in 50-50 and then Keenan just kind of kept really doing a great job of moving him off almost in a Baron Bolo type sweep, but then Vinny just countered. Um, Were you expecting to see a little bit more high pressure on the top game from Vinny? Um, no, no, you can't put pressure on Keenan. Like that's that's what his guard is. It's it's there completely to keep the pressure off. So he plays like a little man's guard, even though he's you know kind of a bigger guy now. Uh, so yeah, there's no way you're gonna put pressure down on Keenan. I mean, when was the last time you saw him in real trouble? You know, yeah, I mean, wow. he gets he, he might get his guard passed every now and then, but for the most part, man, his guard is not passable, and it's getting less passable. Damn, I was. I also didn't realize Vinny. They had him weighing two thirty. Yeah, he's a lot bigger. Uh, I did not realize he was, you know, thirty five pounds plus on the uh, on Keenan. Even especially after all the stuff they cut away with the staff, you'd think two thirty seems <laughs> a little heavy to me. He lost thirty six pounds of, of flesh in a staff infection six weeks ago. <laughs> it's not a and, usually do. Despite his large frame, he looks fantastic in pots. Can we both agree on that? Oh, without question. I thought he uh, – I was I was awarding jiu-jitsu style I, I match say, points. Is this when we reveal that off-air Kevin was like, this is 100% truth, telling me in confidence, ooh, Raph, I totally think that Keenan and Vitty won style of the match of the evening at Metaphoris. Well, it was close. 
he texted me, uh, and this is verbatim, <laughs> I do him. <laughs> I oh. do him is really funny. Because you know what the stupid <laughs> part is? Kevin would totally text that. I know he would. <laughs> I'm going to... I can already see a meme coming very soon. Um, Brandon, uh, Brandon, I need to start actually texting you during these fights. That way we can uh, review these later. I also he, he tend to drink. And he's like, I think that's Beyonce fighting Keenan. Why is Beyonce fighting Keenan? <laughs> <laughs> Those thighs. Them thighs, though. <laughs> Them yeah. thighs, though. <laughs> I was a little weirded out by this because, uh, you know, Keenan was doing a great job playing from bottom. And then it looked like at about minute 15, he just decided, I'm going to remind everybody I'm Keenan Cornelius. And the relative ease in which it looked like he was passing on Vinny at that 15-minute mark, do you think that was fatigue or just Keenan being like, I'm pretty good at this? Um, Yeah, I think Keenan just decided he was going to put the – put the pace to him and he just kept coming forward so it wasn't i mean it was technical movements but it was more sure. the pace that passed the guard than the than the movements that passed the guard if that makes sense yeah and and when really you felt like it, the pace was come on see i have Vinny's guard right yeah 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 it was the pace i thought that passed the guard like he just kept coming he was relentless he wasn't gonna settle for not passing the guard. He was going to keep coming until he got it done. And I think just eventually Vinny broke, his guard broke. So. Well, being 35 pounds heavy, you might just, uh, you think he just gassed. That's interesting. See, I thought, I really genuinely thought Keenan just surprised him with the, with some of the sweep games. I didn't see the fatigue as much. So that's interesting to hear. Well, it's not fatigue necessarily as so much as it is just, uh, you know, they they work in burst, you know, at the end of the match they're both tired. But Keenan's working you know, he's he just coming relentless, bang, 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 bang. He passed the how long did it take him to pass it? Thirty twenty seconds, twenty, thirty seconds of absolute yeah. relentless explosion and pace and throwing he's changing sides on Vinny back and forth, you know, going in, going out, back and forth to the side and eventually he gets passed. Because you don't pass a guy like Vinny from the open, like from standing like that that easily. In just one or two attempts, you got to you just skip plowing it down his throat, man. Do you think that Keenan was winning the mental game once he won the sumo match between him and Vinny, and he ringed out? And follow up question: <laughs> What would you give in terms of ranking Olympic style on uh, Vinny's landing when he did ring out? Dismount. It was beautiful. Uh, no, I don't think he won the mental battle. I think Vinny won the mental battle because he landed on his feet. Like, you, how, how do you not feel like a ninja after that happens? <laughs> that, like, you know how, like, you'll do, like, ninja stuff sometimes, and you look around to see if anybody saw? <laughs> well, everybody saw. That, that's, like, the greatest feeling in the world. Do you saw me? You saw me make that half-court shot? Nobody saw that? He made the half-court shot. Everybody saw it. <laughs> Now all I can also see is how funny it would have been if he had fallen right on his ass, like if he had done that (laughs) leap and just like attacks. Sorry, guys, match over. He fell on his head. Uh, (laughs) He just immediately breaks his tailbone. That would have (laughs) that would have made ESPN. They would have covered that for Metamoris. He was certainly dressed like a ninja. Free game 
<laughs> definitely won the pregame hype show well, uh, contest, that's for sure. He let, if you're bringing that up, we want to talk about how terrible that package was. That that package they put together <laughs> for Keenan versus Vinny was an afterthought. It looked like the blooper reel that they oh. didn't use for the first time. And then when they showed the outtakes, I was like, these outtakes are a hundred times better of Keenan just saying jokes than anything the they remotely thing. put together for that package. I was like, you cut this and threw in the beach scene? Mm. Who the fuck is making decisions back there? This is <laughs> this is terrible. Um, <laughs> the, dude, him when he his IBJJF medals, that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. It's a punchline <laughs> that took opinion. way too long to get to. You know what you do with that in a movie? You cut. You say, hello, I'm going to throw away my medals. Cut, smash, cut to rolling footage. And even the rolling footage at the beginning with Vinny happened for two minutes and nothing happened for the first minute and 30 seconds. Well, I think you're anyway. expecting Hallett Gracie to be a great decision maker. Oh. <laughs> That's clearly not his track record. It's not even that. <laughs> it's like these guys do great videos and that was a swing and a miss. And that's the disappointing part is that when you know that these guys know how to make a great video and I couldn't tell if it's a, uh, well, we tried or uh, we don't know what to do because we've already done this before. Either way, hugely disappointing. That was probably uh, but getting back to the match. Um, what were your thoughts when Keenan got Mount? Uh, I thought it was a sign that Finney was about to get subbed. <laughs> I, you know, Keenan kept swinging his leg around for that um, almost like a topside rubber guard position. Like It wasn't quite an S-mount because he didn't have the angle, but he was bringing yeah. his, I think it was his right leg up behind the head and trapping both arms. So Sort of like he was going for a mounted triangle, but both arms were in. So I thought he was going to try to set up an arm bar, but it, wisely he chose for the triangle instead, which I think was the right choice. But I, I thought it was uh, looking dark at that point for Vinny. It was surprising that he was able to get out of there. And it, when he wagged his finger, like, what? There was no big deal. It's like, that fucker yeah. was tight. You can say whatever yeah. you want, Vinny. We, we saw <laughs> it. Brandon, you've been rolling for a while against people that attack feet. You have you have the strong Nogi game. When someone has you in a really good, they get that toe hold on. Can you just kind of laugh it off like Vinny does? Does no. that affect you? Do no. You... Oh, okay. No, no. For me, the toe hold's way scarier than the heel hook. I completely agree because I yeah I can't feel the pressure as much as I can with the heel hook. Well, I'm I'm scared to death of a toe. It's like you know, growing up playing basketball, you sprain your ankle over and over, like you land on somebody's foot. Man, that's what a toe hold is, and it, they terrify me. So when Keenan grabbed that toe hold on Vinny, and do you see Hard. like how violently he turned his body, like why yeah. he yeah. tried to break it, and Vinny laughed at him. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> He, even, he he looked back and laughed at him, and then he picked his hand up and like kind of brushed his nose, like, "Come on, man." <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, is that I, a, is that just nature? What is that? Uh, yeah, I think some people have just been. Okay. I think some people just banned. Uh, well, some people say so. that they they train it so much that they build up that kind of callus to it, where they just don't even feel it anymore, or like they just don't have any bones left there. And that was well, the first thing I thought about. I think that you can train your bones to get harder, like like Muay Thai. You know, you mm. drive your shin, like Van Damme driving his shin into a tree 
naturally bleeds, you know, you can do that, make your bones harder, but you you don't want to like make your tendons and ligaments more elastic. That's exactly what you don't want to happen. So I don't I don't think it's just natural selection. Vinny was made by the gods to take toe holds. <laughs> I was gonna to be say, very hard to submit. Brandon, um, I'm gonna require you to use about a thousand times more Jean Claude Van Damme references in all of your analysis from here <laughs> on out when you appear Still on this in. goddamn show. Still in. So last time we spoke to, or the first time, excuse me, we spoke to Brandon, you had just written a very popular song about Metamoris Three called "I Dominated Eddie," which is a biographical account of how that final match went. Um, if you've never heard it, you'll want to see it and, and uh, hear it. That'll help. Do Are you it's inspired by anything? Yeah, it's on the YouTubes. Are you inspired by anything that happened at Meta Morris 4 already? Or are you taking suggestions? Where are you at on this? Um, I was thinking about writing a song maybe about the Salo versus Comprito match. Oh, no. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I fell asleep. Before, <laughs> it was before they hit the ground. <laughs> okay. That well, that's so joke bad. one. I'm just going to write that. That was good. That was nice. <laughs> I was watching with my girlfriend, and she just like politely looks over and goes, Are they older? Like, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, I'm just going to throw some suggestions out there. Raph, I don't know if you were also thinking about that as you watch Metamorphosis 4. I'm always but um, yeah, Josh's uniforms inside him, I think, would be a good punchline for a song. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. at one point, I'm name for a song. We'll figure that out. <laughs> Josh's uniforms inside him. Just throwing that out there. Um, that's a nice early one. The the secret match for a reason. I don't know what that song's about. I just like the title, The Secret Match, dot, 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 for a reason. Um, And those are the two suggestions I have for you. That's all I got. Uh, I I need to write write like a really heavy, heavy song called Muffin Top. That's what I think is going to (laughs) happen. You know what? This is why you're the songwriter. I was going to say, that's better than anything I have. I'm just saying. (laughs) Of course it is. Oh, that's just mean and appropriate, actually, now that you bring that up. Yeah, I'd talk a lot more shit if I wasn't, like, a month or two months late already on delivering his song slash video. So I'm uh, I'm struggling. Well, Brandon, let me say this to you, my man. It is always great to have you on the podcast. Um, I also had the honor of getting in a train with you about a month and a half ago, and... Brandon, if he wants to talk about the fact that every once in a while he likes to see if anybody sees ninja shit happening, he did ninja shit to me. And the more amazing part is announcing that was some ninja shit as it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no one was watching to yell it for him, so he had to yell it himself. (laughs) You got to get the attention. Did I see that? Well, the funny part is he was asking me, did I see that ninja shit? And I'm like, clearly not for two reasons. Number one, it happened to me. Number two, I can't see me losing terribly like this. <laughs> so uh, I just want to say it was, it was truly awesome to get to train with you. Um, Brandon, where can people go train with you? All that good stuff. Give people the rundown on where they can find you. 
Uh, I'm in North Alabama, in Decatur, Alabama, uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Um, swing by anytime. I'm going to be teaching a couple of seminars coming up. I'll be in Gulf Shores, Alabama, myself, Sean Applegate, um, Adlai Cleveland from Detroit, and then one of our top competitors in black belts, Nathan Orchard from Portland, Oregon. Awesome. We'll all be doing a 10th Planet camp down in Gulf Shores at the end of this month, August 30th. And then... In November, I can't remember the exact date. I want to say it's the 7th through the 9th. I'll be teaching in Detroit myself, Eddie Bravo, Adelaide Cleveland, um, Scott Einstein, Epstein, Chris Herzog. Uh, we're all going to be up there in Detroit teaching um, training camp for the 10th Planet Falls. But everybody's invited. You don't have to be on the 10th Planet team. Just come on and uh, let's all train together. Be fine. It's good stuff, my man. It's awesome. Absolutely. Well, Brandon, we always appreciate you stopping by to recap some jujitsu with us. Ladies and gentlemen, 10th Planet Decatur's own Brandon McCaffrey. All things Metamorris here at Verbal Tap. We have a very special guest, special for multiple reasons. We have on the line Eric Medina. Eric, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? So you not only broke the news to us about who was going to be in the secret match, you have also fought one of the competitors from the secret match, and this has nothing to do with anything, but I watched some of your videos and I've been trying to improve my Darce game based off of what I've seen from you. That's just a, that's just an aside. <laughs> well, well, when you only have one technique, like you know, it's not that hard to like uh, zero in on it. So, <laughs> you have one technique. Wah, wah. <laughs> you up, and Eric. you and Justin Raider have made it perfectly evident. I need to learn it better. How did you get the information? to break the secret match. You, I mean, you honestly might have been of like top five first people to do it. Where'd it come from? Well, check this out. This is like really funny. Cause I'm pretty sure I was the first and, and this is how it happened. So <laughs> me and my girlfriend were driving to the venue and we're pulling into the parking lot and the parking lot has two entrances. So we're in one. And then the next car, uh, there's somebody who's kind of like, they're giving them a hard time. They're not letting them park. And he's kind of getting agitated. And I look over, and it's Barrett Yoshida. I'm like, oh, crap, what's Barrett? And Bonnie's, like, trying to drive off. I'm like, no, no, stop, stop, stop. Like, like what's going on over here? <laughs> uh, and he's trying to explain to them that, like, he gets to park for free. And they're like, you're not on any of the list. Like, who are you? Like, no, you're not. And so Barrett's like, oh, man, like, you know, like, I get to park for free. <laughs> he's, like, sticking to his gun. And they're like, you're not on the list. So, like, I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then somebody, like, over the mic comes up, like, oh, no, no, he's a secret match. <gasps> Boom, right there. One half right there, Barry Yoshida. So I, I, I've, um, uh, I, <laughs> wait, hold on. Attorney. Just <laughs> let us have a second okay. to reflect on that. You heard it because some parking a hole didn't have his list together. And this is just another reason in the long line of why parking a holes are ruining them. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. It, okay. It was, it was kind of like, like, did that just happen? Like, were, were we just that? Like, did anybody else hear that? Like, is that, you know, does everybody like know what people look like? Um, 
so check this out. I saw Barrett compete maybe like two weeks ago at the last Dream Jiu-Jitsu, and he looked great. And so, like, it kind of made sense. Like, if you're going to do a big tournament, you're going to knock out one right before just to get, you know, your your pre-match jitters, make sure everything's working great. And, um, you know, Barrett actually has a bunch of high-level guys underneath him, and they're all kind of little guys, too. So, like, his gym is packed full of killers. Uh, you know, Barrett is also, like, a multiple-time ADCC vet. Like, he's he's legit. You know, he's a, he's a great competitor. What so, did you feel like, though, Eric, when you – you you had to be one of the first people to know, just like a civilian, I guess. Uh, but you had to be one of the first people who had that information. What was going through your mind? I was as... like, oh, cool. I, I so here, here's the thing. Like, I had one piece of the puzzle, but I needed the other half. So then, <laughs> that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to know who else was the other person. So we get there, we park, and the very first thing I do is I walk to the um, the tent where all the competitors are warming up. So I don't check in. I don't, like, walk to the entrance. I'm, like, already sneaking around in the back. Um, so I'm looking around. I see Dean. I see Josh Barnett. Now I'm looking for, like, another little guy. Like, hmm, like who, who could possibly be here? And I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody warming up that, like, would potentially be a match for Barrett or anything like that. So, like, okay, I ditched the area. Now I'm walking in, like, the little uh, um, reception area where they had food and vendors and stuff like that. Um, and I'm looking around and I don't see anybody like I I just like it doesn't I'm looking for that same generation I'm looking like hmm who's a who's a nogi badass here who's and I see plenty of guys I, but I don't see any big guy or I'm sorry little guys you know so this is my thing now, I, now I'm limited to like quick like hmm see couple 10 planet shirts here like hmm who's 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 in the and then I look and I look and I'm like looking at I'm looking at Einstein I'm like Einstein hmm maybe Einstein and Barrett would that would that go down and then I like cozy up to Einstein and he's just like drinking beer oh it's not him like he doesn't care about anything like and then I see Jeff so Detective Medina is like <laughs> snooping around Metamoris, looking for the other half of this puzzle. Yeah, this I is fantastic. You're short selling by calling it snooping. How dare you? You are penny or a brain. He is Look. so like Inspector Gadget in yeah, this particular exactly, 100% scenario. Like it. The only thing that I think is really throwing me off here is. Not just that you're investigative, but like a cop in a like 1930s film investigating, like, what's going on here, see? The other thing that's throwing me off is the amount of access you're getting. You're just like, oh, I'll just <laughs> No back. problem whatsoever getting anywhere he wants, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, like you kind of, like, learn how to just, like, walk fast and with a purpose, and people don't bother you. It's true. And then I remember, like, I was walking down a helic for a little bit just to, like, eavesdrop, and I got nothing. But, like, you know, I, like, inserted myself with various clicks and crowds. But check this out. This is, like, this is like the funny part that was, like, funny, like, after the fact. Um, so I see Jeff there, right? And I go and I give him a big hug. And, I'm like, I, I like, uh, we talk for a little bit. I look at him and I tell him, like, dude, you look way too pretty to be part of a secret match. And he smiles and he looks at me. And then he, and then, uh, he gets pulled away to do something, right? Later on, like, maybe ten minutes later... He says, don't blast the secret match. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, so I, I let it be, right? Like, I don't, like, I don't respond or anything like that. I'm like, okay, like. Oh, my God. <laughs> then when it all comes to fruition, 
he's like taking off his clothes, doing a strip cheese, jumping on the mat, like swinging his like suit jacket around over his head, throwing it in the audience, like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> Jeff thought that I had figured it out. I was just making fun of Jeff. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like, funny. I'm like when, when it all goes down, like, I'm dumbstruck. Like, like oh, shit. <laughs> you are so dumb. Eric, let me, let me put this to you real quick. I like that you were the cop. You were Chaz Palminteri in The Usual Suspects. That's exactly what just happened here, where Kaiser Soze. Have you seen the movie? Do you understand this reference? No, I don't. I'm but so I'm furious at you for an entirely different reason now, but we'll get there. Because uh, oddly, when you had given me the first piece of the puzzle, I went to my party and like three people without fail just go, oh, it's Glover. And I go, you're right. You're 100 really? percent right. Oh, yeah. We, we really? pieced it together based off of your intel. And uh, sure enough, when the, this is the thing that pissed me off about at least how it looked on camera at home is that they shot to Jeff like a half second too early before just a little the reveal would have been great oh. because Jeff was mugging a little bit and that's fine because that's what Jeff does but then they show footage of him being like like a little baby being like ooh me ooh what <laughs> I could never possibly be in a secret match boom I've got spats peace <laughs> uh, well but, he looks uh, like he he didn't look like he was ready for a match. Like, I mean, like, he had, like, a three-piece jacket on. Like, he did, like, you know, he was, like, smooching with everybody. Like, he he wasn't, like, bouncing around warming up. Like, apparently that's just Bob. He just does whatever he wants. Like, no big deal. But, you know, I, I don't I uh, Yeah. He's not a regular a person. He is not. And, you know, this is funny because this is speaking as somebody who I don't want to out you entirely, but. Has your Darcy game not improved since you've trained with Jeff and then later fought him at EBI? Well, here's like a little piece of that story. Like when I was at White Belt, I would do – Jeff lived in North Hollywood and I would do private lessons with him. And like, you know, he actually taught me the Darce. Then he moved down to San Diego and, uh, you know, took the teaching job at Victory MMA. And uh, since then, you know, like I've like – gotten a little better hopefully but uh you know like it's cool to see see everything like come full circle you know yeah but um you know he he actually was like hunting for the darts a little bit there but you know he what a great that was a great match that was like one of the most entertaining matches um and i want you to to walk like, us through it so you know talk us uh to us a little bit about the match how did it look like live um, and maybe because you faced him, you can explain a little bit. He calls it the donkey guard. I'm pretty sure it's the twerking guard. <laughs> well, you know, it's um, he, he opened the match with that uh, with the same kind of back like exposure that he did for Kyo the first time they met. You know, and it was like Barrett was like a little wary, but he still went for it. And like Jeff was like in great position for uh, most of the match, and uh, you know he actually plays that guard that donkey guard really well you know he he controls your your uh your upper body controls your posture and then he's attacking your feet the entire time and he's got just like a great safe position to do it in um it looks kind of funny it's very unorthodox and he definitely plays it up where it's um it's a trap you know Mm. but like you could only you could only stand there for so long with somebody like uh you know, antagonizing you or like playing with you before you attack them, and like Barrett like would hold off, but then he would attack, and yeah. um, 
there was one point where uh, it looked like Jeff mounted for for a little bit and then went for that one of his triangles, and it looked, it looked, it looked perfect. It, the setup was beautiful, and uh, but Barrett's a tough guy, and he, he got out. Um, when Jeff was revealed to be the secret match, like it was kind of cool. The crowd went wild. Like everybody stood up to see him, like to see him, and like started cheering and stuff like that. Like, you know, it, it, now it made sense that Frangia was there. Um, you know, watch, watch his boy compete. Um, you know, Scotty was in the building. Like, you know, all of Jeff's sponsors and on his crew was there. Uh, obviously, like Victory MMA was there. Uh, Dean Dean was having a fight. But, yeah, like, no shit. Yeah. Jeff, all of Jeff's little little training partners, uh, the smaller guys, were there too. So, so it, it kind of made sense, you know. Um, you know, it was it was a really entertaining match. Um, God, it went to twenty minutes too, you know. Yep. So that was pretty cool. Um, sometimes, like so, Jeff Glover's matches end pretty quick, like he gets the kill and he gets out of there. Um, but he looked great for the twenty minutes. Um, no kidding, he was in great shape. Did it feel at shape. all? Like, in, he could have, because this was my only takeaway. I thought it was a good match, and I definitely think um, Barrett started to get his game back a little bit in the last 10 minutes. It felt like Jeff could have actually submitted him in those first five minutes. What's your take on that? Um, You know, to be quite honest, like, I don't know too much about Barrett, but, like, I, I don't know and many people have tapped him, you know? He's a tough dude. Competes all. He still competes. Like, you know, the transitions were there. Jeff definitely, like, even took him down a couple times. But I think the closest he came was probably to the mount and maybe, like, a, a foot walk. Right? Because okay. other than that, yeah. there's a lot of transitions, a lot of scrambles, a lot of changing positions. But, like, fun positions and fun scrambles and, like, you know, uh, Jeff had fight a bunch of times, and uh, you know they fought for the takedowns, and it was it was a good ex- exchange match. But as far as as far as actually like submission attempts, I think there were like only two that were really there. Did you at all get surprised by any part of uh, Yoshida's game? Um, just a few times when Barrett pulled guard, he kind of just like like fell right down. He didn't like secure the closed guard or anything like that. I was like, okay, like. Like, you could have just, like, sat down, you know? Like, you have to, like, jump up there to just fall down. I don't know, but, like, like Barrett, Barrett's a killer. Barrett also is known for his Darces, too, actually, now that I think about it. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Like, if you could only use one technique, like, you guys are going to Darce each other. That's the only way you could win. Do you guys have, like, a message board for Darce Choke users? Yeah, and I'm like on like the lowest of the totem pool. Like the, I figured, but the senior, hey, you're in. Senior. Hey, you're I'm in. That's the most important thing. But, I, but I'm constantly warned by the admins to like be, be quiet. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, noob. Uh, any last? I'll say this: It did look like genuinely Yoshida spent the first ten minutes trying to figure out what the fuck Jeff was doing. Well, let me ask you this, guys. Like, how do you feel like the whole secret match thing? Like, do you feel like that was a good, that was a good call to have, or like it would no. have been better if you just put Jeff and one hundred percent say this in confidence uh, to just our verbal tap listeners? Um, I think when you build it up as a secret match, it's it's tough because you do want it to have that intrigue and that mystery. Um, 
But it's a little weird when the person's just earning their payroll and their paycheck twice. <laughs> like, he was already on the bill and getting paid, so why not? Yeah, Jeff, get in there. Come on. I think it's not a knock to Jeff or to Barrett because they're both great competitors. They gave us something that was entertaining to watch. No but shit. in terms of promotion, um, one of our persons put, yeah, kind of was hoping for something more worthy of keeping a secret. And I don't know that they're wrong about the kind of posting that, that idea. Kev, what's your takeaway? We said this when they announced it. We were like, it either has to go for the first one, just especially for the first one. They have to go big because it has to have been cooler. Like to keep it a secret, that means that they would have had to have almost taken a hit. The match would have had to have been cooler had they promoted it as the match. This was the opposite. Not to say that it wasn't a fun match to watch, but when Barrett Yoshida came in, like Jeff Glover had to do the explanation because Kenny Florian didn't know who it was. Like, and that just says that they didn't pick maybe. If this had been billed as an actual fight, of course we've been excited. Jeff Glover's amazing to watch. He's amazing to watch anytime. I'm not sure that they should have kept this secret because it felt like they probably kept it secret because no one would have been as interested. So I concur. And Jeff Glover was sitting right there. It wasn't a secret Jeff Glover was going to be there. So it was... And you know, like, maybe if you don't know who Barrett Yoshida is, you would have known from the promos. You would have known from, like, the whole countdown they do or like all like the uh the hype around the fight you know like maybe you would have like been a, been uh more impressed with his resume you know if they yeah. would have just introduced you because you know you I don't even have, like, I don't know I was thinking on how to promote it and I you know you usually want to say that you let the jiu-jitsu speak for itself but you can put a highlight reel together and you still have to make the person engaging in and, and really build their narrative and their story. So it really is confusing when you have this problem where a match was going to get canceled with Kit Dale and we all know who the fuck he is, but yet the real person who needed the video package was in the secret match. Yeah. That's Let so, me just say this. Yeah. I would have been more excited had they announced Eric Medina versus Jeff Glover. <laughs> the crowd would have gone crazy. It would have gone crazy making their way to the restroom for like the, uh, you know. How dare you? How dare <laughs> you? For the break, for the, break the action. First Shut of up, all, Eric, Eric how could much? Have, they, could have built it, they could have built it as a rematch, though. That would have made yeah. me feel better. <laughs> how much would you have shit if at the end of your investigation – it turns out it had all been an elaborate hoax to reveal to you that oh, you were man. in the secret match. And like, all of a sudden, yeah. you're under the mat, and you see, like, an envelope that's like, you found it, and you get there, and you open it up. It's like, congratulations, you're facing no, Jeff Glover Kev, in seven you're, seconds. You're saying genius things, because what if it was a ruse that that whole him getting bad parking situation was all just exactly. part of the play, part of the, the con? That would have been would. phenomenal. I like I like walk up and like Kid Dale like offers me a choice. He's like, you could go with the red pill or the blue pill. I'm like, what the? Like, Holly just comes I? over to you. He sees you look at the golden ticket right afterwards, and it's just like, so, bro, do you want to do this? Do you want to? I mean, I can I can make it happen. Do you? Okay, so you're good. Uh, All right, see you in a second. Like one of the one of like the posters of Helio winks at me. Like, I'm like what the, where am I? <laughs> well, Eric, it, it wasn't your. 
it wasn't your day yesterday to compete, but um, we hear rumors that you'll be competing on the next EBI. That's what the rumor is. That the next one is going to feature 135 and 155 pounders. So yes. uh, that's definitely my size. Um, I competed at the first one at 145 and and uh, won my first match. But you know, this is a uh, EBI is also like in another like crazy event. Everybody's going for the kills. No boring matches. Like local stars, big names. Like you know, whoever wants to get out there and throw down. Like it's it's a good show. It's a good event. You know, sometimes like there were a couple matches last night that like you know you could have missed five minutes and nothing happened, and that kind of sucks. You know, like especially if you're yeah. trying to if you're trying to put jujitsu like make it big and and uh, put it put it on a map. You know. Um, but you know, like there were a lot of great matches too. Like, you know, every match last night, like had something cool about it, you know, whether it be like yeah. the judo battle, like between solo, um, and Comendo, like, you know, friggin' Josh Barnett going crazy, like, you know, bring it back like pro wrestling. Like it's cool, you know, but we, we EBI, d- definitely agree. EBI, like you're going there to watch submissions and people get like, like you're either gonna be a hero or you're gonna lose, you know. Like that's how it goes. Yeah. And tons yeah, of fun I, to watch post production. I watched every second of EBI on Vimeo. Great stuff. Yeah. And I think what we're alluding to here is, I think that means that we need to get you on to talk a little bit about your training and, uh, you know, how preparations are going before you compete in EBI. So you up for that? Yeah, definitely. I know. I know, actually, we have, like, a lot of big stuff going on at the Academy at Jean-Jacques. Um, we have a couple guys getting ready for some big stuff. Um, you know, there's other promotions out there besides BI and Metamorphs that are going to be coming mm-hmm. up with some, some super fight shows. So, um, you know, like, it's going to be a good time to, to step up the training, the training camp. Um, and, uh, you know, we only have, like, a little bit of time, but, like, this is, like, the biggest time in jiu-jitsu, like, where if you're going to do it, you're going to do it now. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm definitely going to go after it. Like, I have a great camp. I have a bunch of people behind me. Like, I have, you know, I even have, like, you know, access to Eddie and, like, the whole 10th Planet system. So, you know, all those guys push me. Like, it's not, you know... Even though, like, you don't come from, like, an Autos or, like, a Gracie Baja, like, or even a Lloyd Irvin, like, all the super teams, like, you still have a lot of resources and a lot of guys that are going to help you get better. Yeah, you come from a pretty good one, though. You, uh, you still come from up in the nice ranks of great schools to compete with, and you have access to some awesome training partners. We're mm-hmm. looking forward to it. Do you have any idea who else you might be fighting? Um, there's, there's some rumors around like me doing a potential super fight against, uh, one of the current world champions, uh, Nogi, but I mean, that's just rumors. <laughs> what a on. great tease. That's I such know. a great tease. I'm all into but, that. Uh, that's perfect. But I'm just, you know, I'm just a little guy from the Valley. Like, I don't uh-huh. uh, use, yep. use okay. accolades or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just, Simple man. Oh, oh, just me, the lowest totem pole in the Darce forum. <laughs> You know, no big deal. <laughs> Took big on a Metamorphs competitor. What Evsies? Love and love. Uh, well, let's say this, Eric. You know, you you definitely win the award, the Verbal Tap Cast Award for best investigative journalism. Absolutely, uh, without question. And we want to thank you for breaking the news to us 
and uh, not just to all, like me and Kevin, but uh, there was a number of people who learned what the secret match was because of you. So uh, much, much props well, to you. And, you know, dude, we can't well, wait you for... Know what, was, what was cool about it, though, what was, what was mm. cool is that nobody announced it until, like, everybody knew, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, yeah. that was kind of cool because they did, they actually did a really good job of keeping it a secret. Like, yeah, I, I know guys on their team, like, I'm buddy-buddy with a couple of them, and like nobody ever said anything like nobody's nobody leaked it you know like jeff didn't say anything like you know you had to find out by accident like i did you know like the parking yeah. attendant like <laughs> that's all it came down <laughs> to you know right place right time but true fact know, i don't know i i i don't know like i don't know how i feel about the secret match like i would have been excited to see jeff and barrett like it didn't be a secret you know but exactly. maybe they do away with it. Maybe they bring it back. Maybe like you know, maybe they have like a spin the wheel and like okay, like if a bunch of guys are on the board and like you you two fight. <laughs> like, well, let's know. let's try and make sure that we're not making Metamorphos into a game show because I, I don't know I'm that we have sure. the hosts <laughs> to pull that off. I'm fifty fifty. Uh, Eric, you've got a seminar to get to. We appreciate you swinging by the podcast. Am I getting this right? You're the Dars Knight on Twitter? I don't think I have a Twitter. Oh, okay. You don't think Twitter. you have one? <laughs> I just saw I at the Dars Knight a few I times. Think, uh, I don't believe in Twitter. Okay. okay. Well, well, you, you can Instagram, find him so just... find him there. Or local yeah. valley restrooms, just uh, write messages at the Darcy Knight. He uh, will respond to them occasionally. We are stoked to have you back to talk about the next Eddie Bravo, and uh, good luck on the training, my man. Thank you very much, guys. We will see you soon. Uh, feel free to stop by the Academy anytime. You know, I'm always there. Um, and I'll see you guys at VMAC, too. VMAC? Sounds like a plan, my man. Okay, Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Inspector Eric Medina. <laughs> We're going to keep the Meta Morris coverage rolling, which, rolling, hey, of course wow, we're bringing job, on Kev. people, thank you, smarter than ourselves, our next guest is no exception. Brett Berniston, black belt under Jean-Jacques Machado, and apparently scarf choke expert is here <laughs> to help us break down Dean Lister versus Josh Barnett. Brent, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, I'm good. Talk to us about your first thoughts when the robe of Josh Barnett came off. Um, you know, yeah, uh, you know, Josh is known to be kind of crazy and you know, I mean, it's not the first time he's wore those shorts. You know, back in the old shorts? MMA days. Uh, Are we? Well, we're call- all right. Underwear, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he a lot of his early MMA matches and stuff. He wore those shorts, and you know, Josh is one of those crazy guys that, that likes to come out and shock the crowd a little bit, and uh, you know, just another opportunity for him to make his mark. I was a little less optimistic. I was, um, it was good to see all of Josh Barnett, though. Mm. Good to see every inch. <laughs> I think the, the best always... part of it was watching uh, the crowd's reaction every time he, 
You know, I, like I was, I was just looking in the crowd and watching people as, you know, like Josh spun to uh, north-south and people in the audience were just uh, horrified. <laughs> <laughs> he almost Kentucky sunglassed Dean Lister. It was very close um, at a certain point. And if people don't know what that is, look that term up. Please don't. Um, <laughs> Brent, can I ask you this? You know, for, for you, as a resident expert here, what is the first thing that goes into your mind when you see Josh Barnett as a competitor wearing what he's wearing? Um, you know, these guys are all professionals. It, it, you know, he can he can wear whatever he wants out there. It's not really going to matter, you know, when when the match starts. Um, you know, you guess you would prefer a guy that. Uh, you know, had some regular shorts on or, or whatever, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the rules. It's you're, you're grappling a guy, no matter what he's, what he's wearing. So sure. I guess it really the... doesn't, would affect me, you know, or I don't, I don't think, you know, you said these guys are rolling around with guys, you know, in the gym with, with shirts, without shirts. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's it part is what of the it game. Is. Yeah. I, I yeah. think the, the follow up to that is, do you think the shoes may have helped with any of that traction, though? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, especially in side control, um, when he was able to use the pressure, you know, he's pushing off on the mat using great shoulder pressure. Um, it, it certainly did help, you know, but, he, you know, he's also taken a, a chance, you know, having the shoes on a lot of people that like leg locks, you know, um, you know, look at your guy in the shoes and think, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, it's a lot harder for you to slip out on the heel hooks and things like that. Um, but, you know, Josh Josh is also an expert in leg locks. You know, he trains with, um, uh, man, the name just completely slipped my, Eric Paulson. And uh, mm-hmm. Eric Paulson is, you know, he's known, he's been known for a long, long time as being one of the really good leg lock experts out there. And, and Josh has finished a lot of fights, you know, via leg lock as, as well. So, he, you know, he, he I, didn't, I didn't think uh, Dean was going to do anything to surprise Josh with the leg locks, you know. Um, and I think that, you know, having the shoes gave Josh a lot of uh, extra traction um, and, you know, was really going to help. And, and they really helped with takedowns and pushing off and, you know, exploding into the takedowns and, um and then, like I said, just side pressure, you know, side control pressure, being able to push off and not slip on the mat. Now, Brett, did you – what were your expectations going into this match? Did you have a favorite or did you see it going as a draw? Or, like, what were your thoughts before any of this even took place? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I was pretty certain that it was going to be a draw. Uh, I didn't think there would be a ton of action. I, You know, I, I saw Josh being on top, uh, Dean trying to sweep. And, you know, Josh just kind of playing it safe and, and, and being the heavier guy. And, you know, like I said, with the leg locks, I just I didn't think Dean would be able to get it just because Josh knows too much about leg locks, you know. And he was going to be able to kind of, you know, that, that was going to kind of cancel each other out. And, um, you know, I just thought that it would kind of end up with Josh mostly, you know, in butterfly guard or, or, or guard, and that would be it. Um, well, you, the match really surprised me as it started to go and seeing just how effective Josh was at passing the guard. Um, I think he passed his guard within 
you know, three or four minutes of the match. Yeah. Uh, um, and from that point forward, you know, he just, it was just pressure. Um, stayed inside control for a long time. You know, was able to, I think he had him in an early cradle at the, at the first part of that, just kind of holding on. And I thought Josh Definitely had plan, a cradle. Yeah, I think Josh's game plan was perfect. Uh, he, he played it absolutely perfect. He, he kept a ton of pressure all the time, um, always kept his weight on top of him. And you could see that Dean was just getting tired. You know, he, he just, it was a lot of weight, you know, to, to hold down. And, and, you know, Josh just said, he's, he's a top level grappler. You know, he's one of the, one of the top guys and you have a guy bigger, you know, bigger than you and, and also skilled. He knows how to use his weight. Um, it's going to cause some problems for you. I was physically shocked. Like I had trouble containing it, seeing how big Josh Barnett was compared to Dean Lister. And it felt like every one of Dean Lister's training partners ever was like, ah, see how that feels? Just so, just so you remember. <laughs> remember this feeling, big guy. Um, what would you say you would have recommended strategy-wise? Where did you think Dean Lister was kind of falling short? Because, frankly, I was really surprised how comfortable he seemed to want to be in uh, letting him take the guard. Where did you fall on that? Yeah, you know, it's it's so it's so tough just because, you know, Josh is an expert grappler as well. Um, but I would have liked to see Dean, you know, maybe, you know, in the butterfly guard try to try to – scoot you know with underhooks and you know with bigger guys a lot of times you know what I always try to do is create angles and Dean kind of seemed to, to fall on his back a little bit um, and you know you get a big guy who puts a lot of pressure on you you don't want to be flat on the mat ever and you know there was a couple times where Dean was you know laying just square on his back um, and not you know turning to the side not trying to get the underhook um, and you know so from that standpoint you know, just trying to create the angles, I think, on on the bottom and trying to move to the side and and create, you know, maybe some more scrambles. Um, yeah, I'm just writing this down. We have a big guy at my gym, too, so I'm trying to take notes. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, angles. you know, you always, well, yeah, with those guys, you know, you always try to create angles and, and have them move, you know. When you have a big guy and he's just he's able to sit on the mat and not move that weight, you know, but put it on top of you, um, you know, that's going to be to their advantage. You know, those guys who want to, you want to make a move, you want to take them out. They're used to having guys and smashing them, put them on the backs and just holding and not moving a lot. So the more that you can make a match move, uh, you know, those big guys tired. Their, yeah, carry their own weight around, um, you're able to, you know, hopefully that's the game plan, make them tired enough that you can, uh, you know, get to their back and choke them wear those huge thighs out. Um, talk us through, because I, I'm not a thousand percent sure I even necessarily understand. I guess it was kind of a neck crank. Talk us through the submission that we see. He, he gets him in that. I mean, it's sort yeah. of the judo side control is what we refer to it. In judo, they call it a scarf hold. Um, and you know, it's, it's a typically, it's a, it's a pinning technique. Uh, but you can modify it a little bit, and what you know there again, you know this is you know Josh Barnett all day long. Um, what it really is is he he was pulling on the on the neck, but what really probably tapped him was not being able to breathe. You know, Josh was just 
too big. He, he's you know too. I think he's two fifty five. I was so you're saying he couldn't breathe. So it was like yeah. the whatever he weighed two sixty five. Yeah, it's uh, you know, your boss Rudin used to do a thing in Pancras where um, you reach back and grab the leg and you basically kind of fold them around your body. Um, and it's it's similar to that, but what it's doing is it's really putting a ton of pressure on the chest, so it's making it really hard to breathe. Some of you know it, it may the neck crank may have also you know hurt, but I don't think Dean probably passed to just you know the the pain there. I think he was just really tired and, and having a hard time breathing. It, he probably normally wouldn't have been caught, but he he was laying flat, and you know it's the worst position you can be. If somebody passes your guard, you can't lay flat. You know you need to turn into them, and and uh, you know his elbow should have been down blocking his hip. And there's a million things, and, and Dean knows all these. You know it's it's no secret. He was just tired. <laughs> it's not like somebody in the crowd just goes, "Oh, come on, Dean." Yeah, Seriously, yeah. Dean, you don't know how to get out of that. No. Um... I, I think you're right, and and this is something that was fun. I was actually at the same viewing party uh, with Brent, and this is how you can tell just how shocking this moment was. That <laughs> when it did happen, and and Dean taps out, there's this great moment of nobody kind of knows exactly how it happened. They saw the scarf hold, but they're like, "Is that what happened?" And everybody turns to Brent and goes, "Is that what happened?" And Brent goes, "Yes." I'm now speaking as the governing body, everybody. Yes, that's what happens. And it starts explaining to all of us. Uh, but one cool thing that was at the party that was happening was that there was talk of who was the last person to tap out Dean Lister. And I think you knew who it was. I I, I think uh, – I, well, I, I don't know if I heard, but I, I thought I heard it was Rico Rodriguez maybe yes. back in the day. I, I don't know if that's true. That could be just you know something that – I made up in my head or, or whatever. Well, um, you made it up and the internet did because I went to go double check it. And I was like, I think you're right. And yes, I think that if, as far as my detailed Google search of three times could tell me, yes, I think that was the last time. Yeah. Rico, Rico's man, Rico, uh, especially back, back, uh, you know, years ago was just, uh, I mean, he still is, uh, you know, a phenomenal grappler. And, uh, it doesn't surprise me, you know, especially back, you know, whatever, 14 years ago or whatever it's been. But what is the significance of this for, for Dean Lister's, you know, career? I mean, it's kind of weird because people love streaks. People love to see things go on forever. Um, but just, you know, what does this mean for Dean in, in your eyes? Uh, man, you know, there's so many great you know, fighters who have been tapped. I mean, you know, Marcelo Garcia has been tapped. You know, it, it's not, you know, as far as a, you know, a career thing or if it puts a, a tarnish on anything, absolutely not. Dean has been a great grappler for years. I mean, he's, he's fought the best guys. He's, he's won some, he's lost some, you know, he's won more than he's lost. Um, and, you know, he's been fighting top level guys for a very long time to tap to, you know, a, a fighter who's, you know, 35, 40 pounds heavier than you, you know, in, in world class, you know, himself, um, you know, it, it it doesn't mean anything. You know, every everybody, you do this game long enough, you're going to get tapped. I and mean, that's that's just how it works. And, you know, and especially you lay it on the line in, in a competition like this and he gets tapped, you know, so be it. You know, that's, that's 
that's how the game goes. If anything, just seeing the trajectory of Dean Lister's career, you might find some some new motivation, which would be really fun as yeah. we see him move forward. Yeah, and you see that sometimes, you know, uh, guys that get really good at not being submitted sometimes will get lazy. Um, you know, they'll they'll allow people to get them in positions because they think I'm not going to get submitted. And sometimes, you know, maybe their technique isn't quite as good as it should be in, in times, you know, just because he's like, ah, you can't get me, you know. And, and sometimes, you know, this may have been kind of one of those situations. He was super tired. He stayed flat on the mat, you know, right when, when you know, he, he got his guard pass. He, he just kind of laid there thinking, you know, oh, there's 20 seconds left to go. Yeah. You know, you're not going to submit me. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, it happened. Uh, you know, uh, this was kind of weird, and I I don't know what your impression of this is either, Brent, but there was a weird moment where Hollick jumps on stage, because he does that every once in a while. He feels the spirit, and he feels yeah. that he needs to be a part of whatever it is. But he goes up on stage, and I think we all forgot midway through that this was for the heavyweight championship for Meta Morris. Was it weird to have... I guess the president of the organization, instead of handing him a championship belt, ask, Oh, are you coming back? Like, don't you think that's something that you take care of ahead of time or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You would think that, uh, well, the guy that was kind of going to be fighting for an organization would be on board. And, but, you know, you, you, I guess, you know, it's a new organization. It's new. You know, everything is kind of, you know, they're going to have their glitches at the beginning, you know, and that's just how it is. And, you know, if you remember the, the early UFCs, uh, you know, there were a lot of glitches, a lot of crazy things happening. Um, they'll work through that. And I think, you know, and, you know, Josh also has, you know, his MMA career. I mean, he's, he's still, you know, he's still, you know, a tough guy that to probably, you know, could have a shot at, at a championship again. Um so, you know, you don't know where his where his uh, alliance stands. I guess if you want to say, um, but I, I think Josh will do it again. I mean, you know, Josh is Josh is a samurai man. He he's going to come to to you know uh, put on a performance, whether it's Metamorphs or whether it's UFC or, or whatever. Now, are there any names that jump at you for a competitor for that title or a challenger? Buchecha. Uh, you know, I think Machech is the guy that uh, would most likely, you know, I, I think, you know, in my opinion, Machech is the best, probably the best grappler right now, you know, at any weight class. There's some others. I mean, I would even like to see Shanju, you know. I think the weight difference would be tough, but, you know, Shanju there, again, he's, a, he's also another samurai, you know, that guy. Mm -hmm is incredible he's got a you know he, his guard doesn't get past you know i mean he's he's the man hodger you know i'd like to see hodger get back into sport grappling and um you know that could be another another match i like all of these options i think that you you just put out the first three that came to my head when i was like mm -hmm, yep i'd watch any one of those three yeah uh, i think it, any three could could sell a card you know i i yeah. certainly you know I would love to see any of the three. Well, wherever this mythical belt is that uh, <laughs> we didn't get to see yesterday, I, whatever it is, I'm sure it's super exciting. 
Um, you know, Brent, I want to thank you for stopping in real quick. Uh, I did want to plug uh, Subconscious Jiu-Jitsu. For those not in the know, uh, Brent has a really, really cool uh, set of classes that he teaches out here in Los Angeles. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that for people who, who may not be familiar with it? Yeah. Uh, uh, SubconsciousBJJ.com. Um, it's got a just a great school. Uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of great jiu-jitsu schools, obviously, here in Southern California. And, um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a place where, you know, I feel jiu-jitsu is for everyone from, you know, top level, you know, competition grappling to, you know, a guy that just wants to come in and, and learn, you know, a few things. Uh, we kind of do, we do it all. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a great atmosphere. I love it. Uh, I couldn't be happier. You know, everybody's super friendly. Um, so come on out, check us out. Um, yeah, definitely. When you're saying everybody's there who's friendly, you, you are not lying, my man. Every one of the people who trains under you uh, is, is super respectful, very helpful. I, and one of my favorite places uh, to go cha- train by far. Um, and you know what's really nice? Uh, for those in the know for our podcast, our good friend John Evans is friends with you. And before we'd even really, really talked, it was like, no, we're friends. If you're friends with John Evans, <laughs> it's a done deal from there. Yeah, who can't be friends with John Evans? So that guy, that guy's, uh, you know, like Captain America, super nice. Oh, what are a you talking too about? Nice, no, that that if you that's ask some oh, people. Josh. You know, uh, you know, I just I want to say that that's so nice of you to say, Brent. Oh, geez, that's so great. <laughs> but uh, Brent, saying. where can uh, where can people look up uh, subconscious jujitsu? Where can they find that? Yes, uh, subconsciousbjj.com. Um, you know. Um, I'm there. And then also, you know, for some of you guys that like, uh, Instagram moves and stuff, I actually have, uh, an artist website that I post some of my jujitsu stuff on and it's, uh, art of motion, um, on Instagram. I usually put on, uh, you know, once a week or so I throw up a move. Um, you guys can check out. And sometimes if you're lucky, you'll see a John Evans as the test dummy in there. Yeah, That's- Absolutely. <laughs> That's some of the most uh, hilarious things to see because, you know, there's almost an art to being a good test dummy, and I feel John accomplishes it very well. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. As a person who's normally time, his I, test dummy. Yeah, usually when I see him, you know, in class, I'm like, oh, he reminds me. We got we have to do the, the, the move of the week or, or, you know. I try to do it every week. Um, I was doing it on one of my other Instagrams, but now I'm, uh, I've, I've been – pretty good I, I don't quite do it every single week but uh I, i'm certainly trying to to get one out every week for you guys well i'll let you know that every week you don't my jujitsu suffers so i'm just saying <laughs> not not really your fault but you know kind of your fault uh but brent i want to thank you for taking time to talk with us uh you really helped shed some light on on something that was a really cool moment i think in jiu-jitsu obviously now jiu-jitsu history for all of us Absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to maybe doing it again sometime. That sounds like a plan, my man. All right. Brent Burston, everybody. Here to help us review our 
sixth and final match, Chael Sonnen versus Andre Galvan. Andrew taught us the right way to say it, which was really helpful. We have BJJBreakdown.com's own, a fantastic BJJ instructor. I was actually just using uh, some arm attack techniques you taught me a year ago. On the line, John Evans. John, how are you doing this evening? Woo! <laughs> that, I think that's good. John is obviously who Chael was referring to when he was talking about bad guys always making the walk. Um, that was basically John Evans' life story, right? Pretty much, yeah. I thought I thought there was no better way to come in than with a nice Ric Flair woo. So, uh, you know, it's Chael Sonnen. It's, oh, my um, God. He's learning. Kevin, he's yeah. learning. I'm so yeah, he proud is. of John. Me I didn't too. think I would ever get through to him, but he's learning how to Ric Flair woo. Mm. No, he's fading. You know, like after this metamorphosis event, it's like I had to study up. I had to know, <laughs> had to know my scarfold neck cranks. Uh, had to know my bad guys, and uh, you know, gotta gotta learn the sharpshooter. So, uh, well, that's easy. I I will be happy to teach you that, John. Please, please do. It's uh, clearly catch wrestling is what works in jujitsu. So, <laughs> I mean, what I that's what we learned. That's what we learned. That that's the learned. Uh, that's the biggest takeaway from Metaphorist <laughs> Four. But we also yeah. learned that Chael Sonnen is not a fight dodger, nor is he a uh, shobber. He's going to go at you. He pushes the action. What were you expecting from this match, John Evans? Um, I wasn't expecting really what happened. I guess. Um, yeah. I. I thought that, uh, you know, I, I honestly was not even expecting Chael to participate, just not not as a knock on Chael, because I think he's awesome, but uh, it, just because the Nevada, Nevada State Athletic Commission had this such a big fine waiting for him if he decided to continue on with this match. Uh, it was like, a, I think it was a quarter of a million dollars. Jesus. Which John, can I stop you here? Was that bullshit, crazy. though? Yeah, is that is that just an empty threat that they're doing? Because we're a day removed from all of this. Now, does that mean they're going to follow up with a fine? Uh, do you think that they worked something out in secret behind because they gave them such a slap on the wrist with the original filing? Like, what does any of this shit mean? You know, that's the, the, that is a fantastic question. I have no idea. Um, uh, from what I've heard, Nevada State Athletic Commission and as most athletic commissions are pretty much like the way they make their money is by trying to <clears throat> find the fighters because they don't really pull in a lot of money by themselves. But uh, with all these fines and penalties, um, that's kind of like how they line their wallets from what I've heard. I, I don't know how true that is, but uh you know, if you're finding someone a quarter of a million dollars, then, uh, you know, that's not going to go nowhere. So, uh, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's just a big political thing. And I know a lot of people really dislike having to deal with the athletic commissions in a lot of states. So, uh, I, I don't know. I could really see them following through with it and actually finding him. But, uh, if you just think about it from, from like a, growth of the sport perspective it's just terrible they're trying to i mean jiu-jitsu is not popular metamorphosis is probably the first thing 
that has really tried to come along and bring a lot of lights to jiu-jitsu and the community and try to get other people that aren't grapplers involved in watching the sport because it's a great sport. And you get a big name like Chael Sonnen, and uh, that's really going to bring in a lot of people that don't participate in jiu-jitsu, and that's what we need from spectators. We need people to be able to watch it that don't actually participate in the sport. And uh, then you have somebody like the NSAC just come along and try to <laughs> kill that. Is uh, you know, it's we're still in our in its infancy and and trying to build up the the sport and bring awareness to it. And uh, they're just trying to crush it. So it would have been terrible if he hadn't shown up. I think, but. Uh, a governing body trying to use fines to make money and screwing his citizens? How they could just call themselves the police. Am I right? Am I right? God. It's now time for the Kevin T. Phillips socially conscious <laughs> political hour, everybody. Let's move along. John, if I really want to get into this, let's just say take away all of your jiu-jitsu knowledge, take away all of your wrestling knowledge, take away all the things that make you John Evans. Let's say you're watching this match. Were you entertained as a layman? For this match? Um, I mean, it ended in a finish, so I guess so, because that's always exciting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's hard to say. Uh, there wasn't a ton of action, especially if you don't know kind of the inner workings of it. Um, I mean, Chael got that low single right in the beginning, which I thought was great, but I'm not sure if people would realize, like, he, he actually made it look so easy that um, just because he had really good timing on it, uh, you know, I'm not sure if people would even be able to appreciate that takedown right from the beginning. Mm. So aside from that, they were just kind of in Galvo's guard, and then as soon as uh, Chael would get a little bit close to being submitted or something being set up, uh, I guess he was never really close to being submitted, but any type of like arm drag or anything so that uh, he would just disengage like he should have, because you can always just stand back up and then, but then he would re-engage right away. Unlike Schaub. So he, and he was aggressive. He was trying to go deep into the guard of Galvo. So, uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't playing, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, playing it safe on that. He was really putting himself out there and trying to make something happen, but I'm not sure if the casual, spectator would have really been able to tell <laughs> any of that stuff was going on. It probably just looked like two people laying on each other um, until towards the end when Galvao started to uh, get his body lock and then uh, work his way to half guard and then to the back eventually. Now, as so, a layman, that's your response. But now let's give you all of your jiu-jitsu back and all of your wrestling knowledge back. Uh, as you, John Evans, how did you feel about the match as a whole? Um, it was pretty good. I think it was probably better than expected. Um, Chael, from Chael's point of view, he got the takedown early, which I thought that, that was good. Uh, he was in Galvo's guard, and of course there was a lot of uh, pressure on him to not shob. So uh, he was not shobbing. He was really engaging um, and he was, like I said, going deep into the guard. But then he was disengaging as soon as he felt like he was in danger, which is exactly what he should have done, uh, especially when you are at such a technical disadvantage as he was. But he is a great wrestler and a, a great grappler, so it's not like um, you know he couldn't at least play a little bit in the guard. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of shape he was in, because since he stopped fighting, 
you know, I, I don't know, like, how long he had to prepare for this, and I know with the whole NSAC thing, it, you know, he even knew he was going to do the match, but, um, uh, you know, he started to get a little bit tired, I think, um, and he just made, like, one or two mistakes, which is uh, basically More than what enough. caused... Yeah, caused the end. But um, I mean, I thought he was doing pretty good. I expected him to, honestly, maybe not even engage as much, uh, especially in the beginning. He was in the closed guard and he was just stiff arming the face of Galvo, which can be a little risky. You can get uh, armbarred from that. So he was being a little bit risky, um, trying some stuff. But I thought he would disengage and maybe let Galvo stand up and try to take him down again, um, just if for nothing else, like a moral victory. Uh, but that wasn't happening. Um, Galvo was doing a lot of good stuff, but of course, once they start sweating a lot, like probably at the four or five minute marker, um, a lot of the stuff gets really tough in Nogi because it's so slippery. So you have to make like really big holds around, uh, you know, like a body lock or a lockdown, stuff like that really helps with Nogi. So Galvo eventually was able to do that, but his guard is good too. Very serious question for you, John. Do you feel like if Chael had worn the Speedo Nut Huggers, his chances as a wrestling survivor would have increased, or probably same result? Um, does that include wrestling shoes or no? I mean, <laughs> a matching pair of pumps is never a bad thing, but... Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yes, 100%, he would have, uh, he probably would have found some way to Boston Crab Galvo and uh, done that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. Sounds I'm like exactly so what would happen. Appreciating John Evans's total embracement of catch wrestling, I feel like the next class with you is going to be completely different, John. <laughs> oh, oh, you know it. I'll, I'll have that. Uh, the Carlos Gracie poster will come down, and the uh, the Carl Gotch poster will be up there. We'll all be in speedos and knee pads, and, and oh, we'll just be just... doing the damn thing. Make sure you Instagram that for those of us playing along at home so I can see. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Every beautiful detail. So, mm-hmm. takeaways, though. Andre Galvel, still very good at jiu-jitsu. Yes. Chael uh, Sonnen, great at talking. <laughs> extremely good as well. <laughs> very good at it. Uh, fun... Fun matchup. Scale of 1 to 10, John Evans, what are you giving that match? Knowing all you know about Metamorris competition. Um, I mean, you know, like, uh, honestly, when they started sweating, I thought that, uh, you know, I expected Galvo to, to submit Sonnen, but when they started sweating and when I saw a, a bit of Sonnen's defense, I was I thought it would probably go to the draw after about the five-minute marker. Um, so a bit surprised that uh, Galvo was able to to uh, turn that body lock uh, that he had with his arms into the submission. Um, so I think a uh, combination of Chael being a little bit tired and then uh, also like he tried to sweep instead of go back to his wrestling, uh, Galvo off his back, or he, he basically, normally you'd think that they would do like a wrestler sit out or something like that, but uh, he decided to try to like uh, do kind of like a sacrifice sweep, but that uh, spelled his doom. So kind of surprise. So uh, a little bit of a of a pleasant surprise because you get to see a finish. I'd probably give it a maybe like a seven out of ten. 
Oh, okay. that's pretty that's good. That's high praise. Yeah, it yeah, not John. bad. Especially after if I had to rescore it again at the five minute mark, because I thought it would be maybe more of a snore fest. But it was, uh, it was actually fairly good. John, I wanted to know. Uh, there was a lot of talk at our our party. Uh, and by the way, thank you for inviting me. That was very nice. Uh, I just showed up at John's door, and he didn't turn me away. So, uh, thank you. Never turn you away, baby. Oh, thanks. Uh, but what I wanted to ask was, there was talk at our party about the overhook. I guess that people were saying Chael should have just gotten and stood back up. Can you explain that uh, just to, to people and what you guys were, were meaning by that? Yes. Um, well, like I was saying, he basically, when Galvao, he had, uh, you know, it was a little bit hard to see. There's like a, a bunch of people at the house and, you know, I was looking at the big screen, but we, I, I looked at it just uh, yesterday when I got home and uh, was watching the whole fight over again. And it looked like uh, I thought the sweep happened completely from half guard. Uh that uh, Galval did with did on Chael, but the thing was is that Galval set that up from initially when they reengage, he was able to get uh, he was able to get double underhooks and use that as a body lock from Butterfly. But then he turned that into a half guard sweep attempt. But he was still holding the body lock the whole time. So Chael, what he was doing is he was making an overhook just so Galval wouldn't come up and take his back. And uh, then he was basically trying to Uchimata, which is, uh, you know, he was trying to, um, if you don't know what Uchimata is, it's a Galvao. If someone's on your back and they have a body lock around you with their arms, then you just take one of your legs and put it between your opponent's legs and try to flip them over with your hip. Um, he was repeatedly trying to do this, uh, which can be a, a great move, but um, I was just really surprised. Most wrestlers, what they're going to do is if you're if two people are standing, one person is hugging around your waist and they're on your back. Um, the wrestler is going to fight for hand position and they're going to try to squat down and, and turn around very quickly. So break open the hands and just turn back and face you. But um, he didn't try to do that at all. He was content to sit there and try to Uchimala him. When Galval finally got to the far side, then uh, that's when Chael decided to go for that sacrifice sweep. But uh, that did not work out for him. So I was just great. surprised... He didn't. Um, he just didn't attack it like the way a wrestler would, and probably would have benefited it more because he has years of experience trying to escape those positions. So, um, oh, that's that's what did it. But it's those strong, the strong body holds, like the body lock, stuff like that, that really uh, set up the whole thing. So that was my nickname in college: strong body holds. I'm just strong saying. body hold. Not, it it yeah. still it it still sticks today. So it's a good one. Final thoughts from BJJ Breakdown's own John Evans. Overall, did you enjoy the Metamorphs 4? I did. I did. Um, some surprises. Like I said, uh, Galval Sonin. I did not expect that to, especially after the first five minutes in in the submission. Um, within the first five minutes, I thought it would have, but after that, I was kind of surprised. So that was nice. Um I was really surprised at the Dean Lister match just because Dean, uh, you just never see that guy submitted. So, uh, ask me if I was surprised, John, ask me if I was surprised. (laughs) Were you surprised? Yes, but I did call it. I'm just saying, hold on. No, 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 no. That's called a contradictory statement. I was so surprised. I called it. What? 
Yeah, I'm a complex guy, Rob. No, you're not. Old strong body locks, Phillips. Wait, what was that? <laughs> that wow. You're also an excellent memory recaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> excellent mm-hmm. with the recall. Mm-hmm. I'm not the giver. Ooh. Too literary. My own literary reference. Yeah, it's an MMA podcast. Um, John, where can people find your spectacular Brazilian Jiu Jitsu grappling match breakdowns? That would be at uh, either youtube.com slash BJJ Breakdown, which is pretty much where all my stuff's residing right now, or bjjbreakdown.com, which I am in the process of redoing. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, bjjbreakdown.com, the redux, as uh, <laughs> as it would be called. Thanks the for stopping redux. by and giving us <laughs> – Thanks for stopping by and helping us cap off our metamorous extravaganza podcast. Oh, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Be on it. Ref, this has been a lot of metamorphs. It's been a lot of podcasts. Ooh, yeah. And it's been amazing. It really has. Big thanks to the entire cast and crew. I'm going to try and do this in order. Okay. Amici, always. Yep. Always. Always. Jim Lawson, great perspective. Fantastic addition. Mm-hmm. You, should, you should be. Brandon McCatherine, I owe you a song. I know that, and I'm working on it, but we love Kevin's you. Kevin's the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely the worst. Um, Eric Medina, Inspector Gadget himself, for the great behind-the-scenes. It's really great. Brent Burnison, again, fantastic work. We're really you brought out the you brought out the star. This is the All Star team. This is an All Star team. I would you know, and obviously (laughs) in a game of jujitsu or basically anything against these people. But yes, All Star. No, no, and rounded out by the industrious John Evans. Great uh, stuff. Uh, it's time for some shout outs. I'll go first. Hey, I owe BJJ and MMA Academy out there in Chantilly and a lot of training partners a big thank you. Um got got the got the promotion recently, got the, the, the purple colored belt. Feeling great about it, but it's a direct reflection of having phenomenal instructors. Um, so big thanks to our black bells out there, Rob, Nick, Andrew, of course, we've got some other guys in the shoot. Scott's always been teaching me things. Mike, um, tons of great training partners and they've just been important in making sure I got the proper beat downs. So gotta respect that BJJ finder, the world's premier jujitsu site locator, plug in BJJ and MMA Academy and you'll find us out in Chantilly VA killing each other all week in a respectful jiu-jitsu based way and that's gonna do it for me rafa sparza well i want to start by shout saying it out a huge congratulations to you kevin uh you know it, it's one thing to be on this journey with you but it's so great that when great things happen to you apparently there's a thing in our brains now where we're connected because when Kevin was busy getting his uh, promotion, 
I was over here in Los Angeles editing the episode of Around the Mat. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. We're going to do another episode coming up soon. And uh, I just had this weird sensation to get a beer. I don't normally drink during the week. I just I'm more of a social guy drinking. And I was like, you know what? I just I, I feel a need for a beer. And my fiance is like, why? And I I don't know. And lo and behold, by the end of the beer, I see a picture of Kevin with his beautiful new purple belt. And I said, well, that's how you know we work together. And uh, it was it was a really cool experience. So for for Kevin, it couldn't be happier for you, my man. And and so fun to to watch there and to see all the smiling faces uh, on your gym. So congratulations to you, my man. Thank you. Big thanks. The podcast helps. You know, we consume a lot of jujitsu. Just makes us. It's true. All right. I want to thank the good folks over at Higher Ground Jiu-Jitsu. Got to train with them this week. Uh, I got to sit in on a class and take a class, actually, with our good friend Jaime from BJJ Rants. That's Jaime Gonzalez. And, uh, man, he is quite the teacher, Kev. I'll I'll let you know that. He is... uh, I I believe it. He's a thinker. Oh, yeah. Definitely not just a thinker, but... Uh, just his way of explaining things. He's very happy to explain concepts with you and, and really work to whatever uh, style of teaching works best for you, which is really interesting. It's it's fascinating. Um, so I want to thank him. I also want to thank Ryan Fortin. We have a great little jujitsu behind-the-scenes profile that we did with him, and I'm super excited to show you guys this. Uh, he came up, he brought his mats over, and uh, we just shot a little bit of a, a profile on him and his jiu-jitsu experience and his journey. And uh, he gave me a, a nice, cool private helping me out on some stuff that hopefully I get to try out on people unwillingly when they don't know I'm doing something. So we've, we've got some fun stuff to do with him. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, so my shout-outs to them. And always shout-outs to Valley Martial Arts Center. <laughs> <laughs> this week I want to shout out uh Vera is the funniest guy in the world. He's the most smiley guy that you can train with. And I've recently been giving him a bit of uh some mess because recently he was trying to break my guard, no gi guard if you would, and he started using his elbows and I was like, Devera, no. No. You use those fucking elbows, and I'm fucking punching you in your face the next time. And, you know, he's the nicest guy in the world. He just goes, okay, no. <laughs> he starts oh, using it. I was like, all right, well, I'll leave it at that. But uh, Devere is the smilingest, most fun kind of a guy that you can roll with because he's always making you feel better about your jiu-jitsu just by telling you how good you are. And, and the case is he's gotten so much better himself. And uh, it's just – it's great to watch other people's journeys progress and grow. So to to Devera, I just want to say thank you very much, my man. You are a pleasure to train with. All right. uh, You know, I'm not normally the person to put this sort of stuff out there, but uh, anniversaries really tend to force you to reflect upon these sorts of things. Um, So five years ago today, I lost my mom. Now, I don't say this to elicit sympathy or to get you to feel bad for me, but I, I just wanted to share the following. A few months before I lost my mom, I signed up for my very first jiu-jitsu class. And that's when we got word that something might not be great. And when doctor's visits became more routine than spine being spent on the mat, I began to wonder if this was going to be a hobby or just something that fell by the wayside. But her passing taught me that there are things that are bigger than us all. 
fights will come and go. The unexpected will challenge us every day. But mostly I learned you cherish time with your friends and family and you find what you're most passionate about in life and you go after it. Be it jiu-jitsu, a hobby, or a passion, just do it. And you absolutely won't regret it. Because that's how I've treated the sport of jiu-jitsu and by extension that's how I've treated this very show. Now I'm not the first to lose a parent nor is my story any more special than yours. But uh, I do this as a tribute to a person who made me a better human being and whose support gave me the strength to follow the passions in my life. So I'm sorry to interrupt our normally scheduled nonsense, but uh, I thank you for indulging this quick moment for a proud son to play tribute to his mom. And uh, to Rachel, I just want to say I love you and I miss you every day. What a beautiful way to sign out our very special Metamorphosis 4 edition of Verbal Tap Podcast. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. Good night.